Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 261. I'm Dave and I'm here with Richard. Rich, how are you going? Uh, tired, but tired. but good, but ready for the show. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a bit of drain going on, a bit of a brain drain going on at Signal of Doom, but we are still punching. We're in the 10th round now. The feet are heavy. You know, the arms are heavy, but you still got to keep going. you still got your reflexes, but it all comes down to in the end, Rich. Yes, let's hope my reflexes don't fail me. Yeah, well, then you'll be playing a memory, as I often say. Um, so 261, uh, we're doing James DiMatteis and Joe Staden, uh, Batman Going Sane is our trade of the week. Uh, and very professionally, I've remembered to say the trade of the week at the start of the show again. And mm. coincidence or planning, we have an interview coming up with James DiMatteis this weekend. Um, he's going to be beaming in from uh, from New York City and uh, yeah, so we're going to be we're going to be chatting to him uh, later this weekend. Uh, this is a Friday night for me and Rich, but it'll be a Sunday morning for us. And uh, we are looking so forward to that. It'll be the the second time we've had JM on the show. And we've got some I've got some questions for him. I don't want to reveal my hand right here and now, but you know I've been working hard on these questions, haven't I, Rich? Indeed, <laughs> I have. Indeed. It's been a project for me all week. Really, I'm really pumped up for this one, and um, and we also do want to say thank you to JM, who, by the way, has been suffering COVID uh, along with his wife, Rich, over the last couple of weeks. Um, and we do and we deeply appreciate him taking the time. And um, certainly, um, he had said to him if he wanted to push it back, but no, JM said he's 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 ready and willing to go. So that'll be happening um, this week. So this will be going this weekend. So it'll be going up later this weekend as well. Now, um, Rich, what have you been doing in the last week since we've spoken? I haven't seen you, actually. Uh, nothing much. Uh, 11 new uh, Star Wars novels arrived. Bang. Um, Jesus. So the, the collection 11. is growing. 11. Yeah. Are they all on that bookshelf in, in the sort of the lounge room where we used to record? Is that where you keep them? Uh, I need to rearrange things and possibly right. buy a new bookshelf, but... Uh, yeah. That, that that is where the collection is at the moment. Yeah. So you must be getting up there. I know Eric from Eric and Jimmy Rule the Galaxy has a very extensive collection as well. But I think you're you're hot on his trail at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I've only got about maybe about forty more to go, and then I've oh. got the entire collection. Jesus. And if you had to pick a favorite that wasn't like the Zahn trilogy, what would you decide would be your favorite like series? Oh gosh. Come on, oh. on the spot, Rich. Uh. Come on, buddy. Han Solo? <laughs> it's going to be Jedi Academy or something, surely. No, 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 no. Um, probably uh, probably Legacy of the Force. Okay. Um, uh, that's the one where... Um, uh, uh, the um, Jason Solo goes uh, to the dark side. Right. And basically uh, throws the galaxy into John. But I do love the follow-up series to that as well, which is Fate of the Jedi. Like, is so. is that related to the Star Wars Legacy comics we did, the Ostrander stuff, or is that totally separate? Uh, no, that's that's much further, further in the future. That's I really like, enjoyed uh, that. Like that, that. That's like a, a good, like close to probably 100 years in the future. That's my probably. favourite comics of Star Wars I've ever read. I, I thought that was really good. 
actually. Well, as I said, my my favorite is is all the stuff uh, after uh, Return of the Jedi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. I'm I'm not like super into the prequel stuff and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, just because um, you know where it all heads. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it, yeah, maybe it's filling in some gaps and stuff. And yeah, they can be entertaining. But I I just thoroughly enjoyed because you didn't know what the future held. You yeah, know no, because. No. Yeah, but there, I, I there like some like of the prequel end. comics, though. I, I've, I've read some no, of the no, prequel no. comics. No, no, no. I'm not enjoyed. saying they're not good. I'm mm. just saying my favorite is yeah. the stuff after Return of the Jedi. I just love yeah, the... I because, because Yeah, because you just learn... You know, it's all going in a direction. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't. You know what I mean? You don't know what mm. the end result is going to be. You know what I mean? As I said, like, in in, in these books, uh, uh, Han and Leia had three kids, and literally by the end of it, only one survives. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, is there another alien race that invades the galaxy or something? Yes, so that's um, that's the uh, that's the Uzong Vong um, invasion. Well, I that's reckon that would make a good movie. I see. I reckon that would make a well, good movie. Well, that's series. what they should have done. Instead of throwing all the crap out the fucking you know window mm. when they required it, as I said, they should have they should have cherry picked all the best stuff. But they still and, could. You could you, you know, could do an alien race invades the galaxy. I think it'd be interesting. You know, and you might have some Imperials no, having to work alongside. Well, the... the problem is, is you can't because obviously the sequels. I mean, you could do something now with yeah. uh, after the sequels, I guess. But I mean, it wouldn't be. I don't know. It wouldn't be as fun not having the like the original characters part of the Lando. You still got Lando. You know. <laughs> oh, barely. <laughs> <laughs> Lando sits down for most of the movie. Yeah. Hey. Uzan <laughs> Vong, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't that's, know. That series is called The New Jedi Order. That that was what that series right. was called. And, I, and it goes for about like 18 books or something like that. So. And is like uh, Luke Skywalker and all that the, included in that? Is they fighting? The oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, this is, so this is like an invasion where just like how the Jedi were forced into um, war mm. in the um, with the Separatists mm. um, in the prequels, the, the Jedi are sort of like forced in this war. But the, the, the thing that makes the Uzong Vong so dangerous is that they don't show up in the Force. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Jedi are, like, blind to them. So the Jedi, you know, a lot of their training um, is almost null and void because... And what uh, do they the, look like? Like, surely there's been pictures of these oh. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. they um kind of, like, insectoidish kind of... Oh, um, really? <laughs> kind of... Um, okay. uh, no, no, not... No, that's not the right... Because, you know, I don't want you to think of bugs. But, I mean... I'm, I'm typing. They've it got in. like almost like an they've got almost like an exoskeletonish type of. Are there comics of these guys? Uh, not much. This I think Dark Horse like did a couple, but no, it was mainly the the novels. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at them. Uh, right, they look almost a bit demonic. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to, to describe what they are because um, they use a lot of like their ships and their weaponry is like almost like nature based, but their nature, not. Not owl nature. They like definitely, they own they definitely look very alien, you know. Um, yeah, they've got the funny little ears as well, or at least this artist has drawn them with like little sort of winged ears. Uh, they're interesting looking creatures, I must say. I must say. Um, yeah, anyway. So I, I just think that would have been so much more fucking interesting than um, what we got. But um, now with some breaking news. Uh, by the way, Chuck Dixon will be coming back on the show uh, in early May, I read Chuck Dixon's latest Bad Times novel, which is the Time Traveling Army Rangers going through time. Rich, this, this volume six, honestly, parts of the cre- creations, I think it's called, 
was so amazingly good. It was maybe my favourite in the series. The previous to that, I think Volume 3, Avenging Angels, where they go back into Roman times. Obviously, you know, I'd love that, Rich. But um, this one was excellent, really excellent. And um, it was a time travel, obviously, story going back to, like, time of the dinosaurs. And then the other storyline was kind of like an alternate reality um, where they're fighting, um, where sort of like uh, Mongols... Uh, you know, the Mongol Empire never collapsed and they're fighting like Vikings. But like in the sort of uh, sort of late medieval period kind of thing. So it's an alternate history. Really good series, man, this Bad Time series. And I'm always asking Chuck about it. And, you know, he's a busy guy, but he says he's going to get back and do it. And I'm asking him like plot points and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I reckon it's a great series. I, I absolutely, he's done six books of them. And, Really, I think it might have been the first book I read of Chuck's first novel, obviously, um, even before Leave on Kate, and I, I just dig them. So I really recommend uh, check out the Bad Times series by Chuck Dixon. They're all on Amazon, and you can get them on Kindle. Uh, good prices. Um, they've sold tons. They're great. Now, I was going to say, breaking news. I came across an article. Renowned Batman writer Chuck Dixon reveals how he would end Batman's story. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, let's have a look. It's part of his Ask Chuck Dixon uh, series of questions that he does. And he received a question from Aidan Belcher, who asked, there have been a lot of future Batman stories. Everyone's got their own interpretation of what happens to Bruce Wayne later on down the line in his career as Batman. I'm curious as to what your take was. Um, what do you think happens to Bruce Wayne as time moves on? Do you think he would continue being Batman until it killed him? Or do you think that he would eventually retire and pass the cowl on? Well, here we go. Uh, Dixon responded, well, I would prefer to think he retired, and I actually did write a future Batman story, although it was re-edited weirdly to be presented as a contemporary Batman story. Archie Gubin approached me and asked me if I would like to write a three-issue mini that was basically towards the end of Batman's career, an imaginary tale, if you will, not necessarily supposed to be in continuity. Uh, And I said, cool, and Mike McMahon was going to draw it. Oh, that's uh, Mike McMahon uh, fan. Um, That's uh, 2000 AD. Mike, Mike, Mike McMahon. Uh, da, 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 da. It was written as a futuristic story, and in the original version, we saw that Tim Drake had retired as Robin. He was a grown man with children, had a job in the tech, in tech industry. He's living in the suburbs. And Bruce Wayne comes to him for help, and Tim's like, no, I left that life behind. That scene had to be cut in order to make it fit current continuity, all of the flying cars and ray weapons and bionics and all the weird stuff that happens that Mike McMahon drew so wonderfully goes unexplained because that level of technology and weirdness was not present in the Batman comics at the time, he recalled. Um, Yada, yada, yada. The other strange anomaly in this three-issue arc is Hadrian Armstrong, the general, who in then current Batman continuity was a child. I know that character. But in this arc was a grown man. I don't know why they didn't want it published the way it was, but sadly, Arch and I had to work together to rejigger it as much as we could after all the art was done, so it's a weird reading experience. Um... Returning to the original question, Dixon answered, but yeah, I prefer to think that Batman retired, maybe after a crippling injury or problems resulting from Bane breaking him. I like the idea. I like the the Batman beyond interpretation that he retires and chooses a successor. I think that's a fitting end so that Bruce Wayne's story goes on despite him having stepped back into the shadows. Uh, I have to agree with Chuck on this. And if you're interested... um, the Dixon's three-issue miniseries for Batman Legend of the Dark Knight is where, which I've not read actually, um, is the is the one he's talking about um, with Mike McMahon. So, yeah, what do you think, Rich? I mean, I, I like the idea of Bruce. Instead of Batman Beyond, I thought got it right in a in a way. Really, I thought. That well, was yeah, actually- I think I think Batman Beyond is is the perfect um, 
end um, yeah. point for, for Bruce. Not that he, he dies or, you know, um, uh, or, or anything like that, but I, I like the fact that he, like, is almost forced into retirement. Um, yeah, well, they've got that I mean? scene like, in the first um, episode where he uses the gun and that's when he's having the heart attack, you know? Yeah, yeah, when he's having the thing. And then, you know, then you've got this kid who sort of, like, brings him, you know, and he he kind of becomes the Alfred. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because it, it, it makes it interesting because, I mean, it's like a guy who could do the job and he's having to, like, uh, in, in a sense, live through this kid but also, like, know that he could do the job better than the kid. Well, in his prime anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? And I just it, it just makes for an interesting um uh story and sort of like character um motivations. No, no, Batman Beyond I think is is the absolute perfect um it's my favorite, it's my headcanon, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I, I, I always yeah. just think that, that that's where it all ends up, you know. Well, I mean, for me, there's only two options. It's either Dark Knight Returns, the original ending to that, a book you know, the first Dark Knight Returns, um, or it's Batman Beyond. And I think they're the two that have ever really stuck with me in my head um, about it. You know, they killed him in Batman Beyond. They actually did like an official Bruce Wayne in death continuity. I don't know if they needed to do that, really. I mean, but they did. You know, um, it was quite, oh, quite that's, that's just yeah. That was just DC just doing shit because. But why though? I mean, like, oh, we've got to kill Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. Like, oh yeah, we've got to do yeah. it. You know. Anyway, so there's that. That was breaking news. Rich, did you enjoy that? Um, now Fantastic. I, I'm broken. I'm broken. Like Bane. It's like Bane put you across his <laughs> knees and just snapped you back. Um, yeah, I've got so I've been doing a lot of reading of James DeMatteis' stuff uh, this week in the lead up, and I've got some I've got some questions cooking, Rich. Really serious, deep ones. Um, I'm just going to give a slight teaser here. The computer simulation may come up, Richard. You ready for that? Get JM. Is he ready? Get, yeah, well, I mean, he maybe he's been waiting all his life to, for Davy to like finally throw some questions like that into the mix. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll find will, out. We'll find. Are you, are you insane? Yes, but answer the question. <laughs> That's beside the point. Now, Richard, I, I watched um, Death on the Nile, and I must say it was very good. Um, this is the next. This is Kenneth Branagh directed. He plays uh, Perot. Um, you know, Agatha Christie's Perot. Uh, really, really interesting book, actually. And I have read this book, but I'm, I mean, I read this book, you know, God knows how long ago, so long ago, in the 80s at some point. Uh, I've really only read two Hercule Perot books that I can remember. One of them was this, and the other one was Murder on the Orient Express, um, which ironically are the two that they've done movies for. They're, they're the two that I read. I read more Miss Marple. But um, I must say, Richard, this is a really interesting uh, movie and I thoroughly recommend it. And you're always talking about are they making good movies. This is just a good movie. You know what I mean? Have you read the original book, Rich? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. like, I agree with what you're saying is that it's the same as, like, Sherlock Holmes, right? There's just the same stories that they keep retelling as either like a TV movie or whatever. Um, and it's the same with the Agatha Christie. It's always going to be uh, Murder on the Orient Express and um, uh, Death on the Nile. Like why why are, like, is that, though? Are they just considered the best ones or something? I, yeah, I think those are, are – yeah, I think that's like the the, 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 the top of the pyramid. Right, know, okay, yeah. The, right. the stories. And so the, uh, it's the same with like the Sherlock, you know, it's always the Hounds of the Baskervilles, you know what I mean? Like it's mm. – there's always – it's just the same ones that are like so ingrained as to be like – yeah, what you consider that everyone just remakes those ones over and over and over. 
Okay. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. Yeah. I just. I knew. I knew that uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but I. I didn't know Death on the Nile was considered like that at all. I. I just happened to have read it. Now I couldn't remember a thing about it. Um. And frankly, you know. Uh. Like when it was. So when I came to watch the. Um. The. The movie. I was. I. I mean. I honestly couldn't remember anything about the book. It's been so long. But I will say this. It. It really was a good. A good watch. Um, I reckon you'd probably enjoy it, Rich. Like it's, you know, he's very good as um, he's very good as uh, Perot, and everyone in the in the sort of show is. Brandon Cameron is a good actor, so yeah. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and director as well, because he directs it as well. So, oh yeah. no, but I'm just talking about him as an actor. He's he's, yeah. he's a fantastic actor. So. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. Quite the Shakespearean actor. Back in the day, wasn't he? Remember, well, that's the thing. He can do. He can do comedy. He can do villain. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he's he's a very versatile um, uh, actor. I feel I could do it. I seriously do. I, I really feel I could. <laughs> no, I, I feel I could do a villain. I don't. I mean, villain. Easy, basic. I would describe easy. I mean, what are you gonna do? You gotta you gotta learn your lines. Walk around <laughs> looking villainous. That's it. If anything, I would say no. If anything, I would say being the good guy is the easiest job because generally they are a little bit more the straight guy. Uh, one note, um, yeah. You know, but uh, you can ham it up villain, as the villain. You can ham it up as the yeah, villain. yeah. But that's my point. But that's my point. As a villain, you carry the movie. Do you know what I mean? Good. Like, um, you know, while the heroes are like, oh my god, he's like, you know, cool. I love like, you know, a, a good action hero. It's it's if the villain is not good, then. Mm. It doesn't matter how good the villain, uh, how good the the hero is. You need a, you know. That's why Batman is like. I think Batman is. I'm Batman. Just as famous for his villains as he is for like if 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 Batman had the shittest villains, sure. that no one like cared about. I don't think Batman would be so popular. Oh no, his his rogues gallery. If Batman's massive, villains yeah. that that like make him, you know, it's it's what I think. Why Superman struggles? You know what I mean? Mm. Because Superman doesn't have as many memorable uh you know i mean other than lex luther mm. i i think most people do struggle to to yeah. name um uh, superman villains and and you know and, and i think that does hurt and again that is uh, batman saving grace is bizarro so, metallo I, yeah but uh, toy man a regular parasite person, a regular person's not going to know those <laughs> off the off the tip of their tongue are you, but they are you telling me that my are you telling me that my mum just couldn't say ultra humanite Probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, I I'd be shocked. I, I, mean, I totally you know. agree with you. Um, also, can I say another reason for that? The movies uh, have, for Superman, really focused on Lex Luthor for a long time. You know? So, yeah, because it's the only uh, villain that that that, um, that people knew about. You know yeah. what I mean? And he was the, much but, easier to do because just that's a bald a, guy. But so. that's a way to get... Like, I, I mean, I honestly think, like... That's a way to actually train the audience, though. Like you know, they had they brought Zod in, and if you brought, like, I think if you if you had a massive Superman movie that just did gangbusters, and you had different villains that weren't Lex Luthor or even Zod, um, suddenly the mainstream audience picks up on that a bit. You know, like I'm well, talking about. Well, the thing about, is, like, can I just? I I thought you know, so you know the the movie uh, Superman Returns, right? Yes. I thought that the biggest. Failure of that movie was it was it was the perfect thing to introduce Brainiac, right? Because sure. he was out in space, right? So he was trying to find Krypton. Yeah. And then he comes back to Earth and he could have accidentally brought Brainiac back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Brainiac could have like Oh, they should have brought Brainiac. And gone, oh what the fuck a Kryptonian and then followed him and that would have and that would have that movie would have been the perfect but instead they went straight back to Lex Luthor. No, they, it's actually almost a crime that they haven't done Brainiac because he is one of the best villains. 
And um, I, I don't understand why they haven't done that. I think that's a mistake, frankly, that um, the, the DC and, and Warners have consistently made uh, for, for many years uh, regarding... Well, he's, the only, he's the only one other than Lex Luthor that can carry a Superman movie. Totally you know agree. what I mean? Like, the problem with is you can't really do a movie centred around... Bizarro. Um, Bizarro. Bizarro. Or, uh, yeah, but I mean, Bizarro is going to be a bit of an odd one to do. Do you know what I'd I mean? Like, it. It's, it can do it, but I mean, I'm talking about, like... Uh, in terms of Superman, like uh, that threat level, yeah, and I think a Brainiac is because oh, cool. again, Superman is either Zod or or Luther is is basically yeah. what they keep coming back to. Do you know what I mean? But they still haven't done a Brainiac, and I just think it's just it's so crazy. criminal that they haven't done it's a. It's crazy. It's crazy. Head should roll. Uh, now, have you heard about this? The Northman, this Viking revenge thriller. It's got Bjork. It's got one of the uh, how do you say their names? Skarsgård or something. It's got Nicole Kidman. Um, it really, I mean, are you into Vikings? Yes, I am. Are you into revenge? Yes, I am. Are you into dark, bloody violence? Yes, I am. Um, I'm expecting the greatest movie since Citizen Kane. What do you think, Rich? Well, I'm not surprised that that's what you're expecting, but... Yeah, I just can't wait, man. Like, have you heard about this? It's, it's just opening around the world right now. Uh, I know of it, but I mean, I wasn't, um, uh... Come on, man! Really Vikings, dude. Vikings, Vikings, dude. I don't, I don't, I'm not like I'm not you. I don't care about Vikings that much. What What is wrong with you? Vikings are the best, man. Like they're just like they are the best. They were the best explorers, the best warriors. They went from Constantinople to the New World, man. You know they they covered the seas, my friend, and uh, you know pillaged. Raped and pillaged their way well, across the Mediterranean. I, I will agree with you that they're very good pillagers. I wouldn't necessarily say they're great warriors. Oh, Vikings were great warriors. Are you kidding? They... I don't know. What, what massive wars have they been in that you can claim that? What do you mean? All their, well, they sacked Paris. They sacked Constantinople. Again, I, I didn't say they weren't good pillagers. I didn't say they weren't good oh. at fucking running in, robbing a place, and then running out. I'm not saying <laughs> they're not good at that. I'm just saying... I don't. I might draw the line at warrior, at like well, uh, this massive well, what about, warrior army that doesn't. Fight what about in, the Normans? What about the Normans? They're Vikings. They were Vikings that settled in France and then won the Battle of Hastings and took over Britain. There you go. And became Europeans. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They were the Normans are direct descendants yeah. of the Vikings. Oh, oh, I mean, there's so many people who are descendants of Vikings. No, but they were, that, but but, but they were generational. That was a generational thing that was passed down from like one or two generations to. To um, William the Conqueror, who then went and conquered England. I mean, look, I'm, I'm agreeing Sicily. with you. There. They are fantastic. They are fantastic pillagers. They are really good at that. Yeah, uh, but but you just said what battle? Well, there you go. The Battle of Hastings. No, no, that's that's too removed. That you're not. It's I'm, barely I'm removed. An actual Viking they army. Were, I'm talking they, about an actual Viking army drawing up battle lines and going to war. I'm sure. Region, I'm sure that when they. I'm sure they. They. When they were invading England, they did fight actual battles in in and stuff like that as well against armies. Is that what you're talking about? Definitely. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they did. I think they did, man. I think that's the whole topic of like some of these. Um, some of the look. Let's let's let go. Did the Vikings? I'm sure. I'm sure they battled each other. I'm sure they had did, wars with did, each did other. Did the Vikings fight armies? Did the did so, someone's got here? Did the Vikings and Spartans ever fight? Well, that was, you know, <laughs> Jesus. 
The the Vikings first invaded Britain in AD seven ninety three and last invaded in, in ten sixty six when William the Conqueror became king of England. Um, blah blah blah. Did the Vikings conquer England? Yeah, the final Viking invasion is is. There you see, it's called a Viking invasion. That's the that's the um invasion where William the Conqueror won. So I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, I think they did. The Viking raids raids in were sporadic, but. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, I think a lot of other, like, um, nations have, like, these massive wars or battles that are remembered. And I just don't think that, that you just don't think that with Vikings. You just think of sacking and getting out. You know what I mean? It's like quick strikes uh, but and I, stuff. I, I, you can say that's yeah. good. I'm, I'm saying they're good at it. I'm not, again, I'm saying they're brilliant at it. I just don't know <laughs> if they're really good at drawing up a battle plan when they go on a field <laughs> to fight another army. I just, I don't know because I don't know if any real well, battles where they did that. you think about conquering Constantinople and they held the city to ransom and the emperor to ransom. They would have had to have fought fucking guards and an army in Constantinople, I assume. It would have been unguarded. They conquered Paris, man. You know, I, I, I think they did win. But I, I get what you're saying. They were more of a quick strike team kind of style thing. But I think as it went on, there were more armies late, later in the period. You know, we're, you're, yeah, you're thinking as early I said, I'm not massive into the Vikings, but I'm just, for me, I just feel like mm. they conquered by like um, bit by bit. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Like uh, uh, over like time, just by here we go. Uh, only taking out, you know. I've got a, I've got a list here: five forgotten Viking battles that shaped Britain's destiny. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's all Britain though. The I mean, Battle of Hengsted's Hill. There you go, Richard. The Battle of Sinwit. The Battle of the Om. The Battle of Stainmore. None of it. I've never heard of any of these battles. The Battle of Danes <laughs> Wood. <laughs> Jesus! All right, all right. Yeah. So it's all—it's all in England. Their biggest, their biggest <laughs> achievements are all on their tiny little island, is it? No. Well, this is this is the five forgotten Viking battles that shaped Britain's destiny. Oh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. So it's it's Good. exclusive. No, dude. Their biggest achievements outside of conquering England were were sacking Constantinople and sacking Paris in terms of military victories. You couldn't get yeah, any bigger. They, they were the centers of the world at the time. You know, they were no, there were no bigger cities by that point. They were bigger than Rome. I think they sacked Rome as well, Rich. You know, like, Look, I mean, I, I, I like Norse mythology, but I don't really give a shit about the Vikings. I do. I was on one of their boats. I know it. I was on one of their boats, for sure. I mean, we, 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 we remember this with Assassin's Creed, where I said to you, is it real? Remember that? Where the part where he finds the, yeah. the animus or whatever, he found that thing in the wall in the US, and he said, this isn't for me. And I was like, it's for me. This is for me. Was intense. Well, moving on from raving about Vikings from Dave, um, Judge Dredd the Citadel. So, Richard, I know you know you, Judge Dredd. You like you. You are aware of the Apocalypse War when that happened in it was US versus or Mega City One versus the Sov Block. Mm-hmm. So, I think did we do it on the show? Uh, we I may have done it with Stuart before you, but have you read it ever? The Apocalypse War. Okay. I know of it, I don't, I don't think I've read it. Okay, well, it's one of the classic ones from the very early 80s. They kind of ratcheted up the tension between the Solve Block and um, Mega City 1, you know, mirroring the Cold War at the time, and they eventually fought this Apocalypse War. Well, anyway, there's a new story line out by John Wagner, the creator of Judge Red, called Judge Red the Citadel. The explosive and revelatory Judge Red graphic novel 
the Citadel, re-examines events of the popular Judge Red Apocalypse War from a new angle. The Apocalypse War rages, and Judge Red leads a squad of cadet judges into battle, launching an assault upon the Citadel, where Sov forces, Sov forces have set up base. But now, 40 years later, former cadet Judge Winterton, on the day of his execution, will tell the truth about what happened during the Apocalypse War, why the mission was subsequently covered up, and the secret that Judge Red himself has been hiding for the past 40 years. The trade's out in July. Um, it's it's in the weekly 2008 comic at the moment. I think there's four issues to go. Um, we will do it on the we will do it on Dread or Dead and potentially on the Signal as well. Um, what do you think, Rich? I know you're not a big fan of prequels. What do you think about going back with John Wagner telling a story? You know the kind of hidden history. Do you like that? I like it. Uh, if done well, sure. Sure. Like you know, yeah. if, if it doesn't, as I said. The, my biggest gripe with, uh, as I said, prequels is um, how poorly so many of them are done and how they muddy the the original stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like when they retcon or contradict stuff previously. Yeah, but if you yeah. can do it well without doing that, then sure, I don't have an issue with you doing it if it uh, maybe if it expands upon something or um, offers new light on something, but without damaging or breaking what's come before. Mm. I mean, I, I am glad that John Wagner is the one doing it. You know what I mean? Like the creator, yeah, yeah, the guy who wrote Apocalypse War. Um, well, you know, George Lucas created Star Wars and he still mucked up the prequels. So. Sure. But, yeah, <laughs> but, but but John Wagner's almost retired, by the way, so he, he kind of handed the strip off, but then he obviously felt like he had this story to tell. Now, Richard, something that I came across on HBO Max that I really was enjoying was the Vixen movie, the animated movie. Have you seen this? No. It's good, man. Yeah, Vixen, I think, was is she one of the members of Justice League Detroit originally back in mm. the 70s or something or 80s, whenever. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I came across it. I think it's set in the Arrowverse. And I think... Yes, it is. Yeah. It, look, I, I, I didn't realise that until we got into it and suddenly I saw that, you know, that geeky guy who's in The Flash, you know, the kind of tech guy, whatever his name is. He's kind of Hispanic. Um, you know, the guy I'm th- talking about, like the... He's kind of got long. Yeah, yeah. The, the, no, the guy that plays Vibe. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, him. Yeah. Yes, that guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so when he turned up, I was like, "Oh, it's like this must be Cisco." Set. Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. I was like, "This must be set in that in that universe." And it's actually pretty good. I've I've really been enjoying it. So I've watched about three quarters of it. I had to take a break because I was tired. But no, it's actually cool. I, I like the character of Vixen, man. Like, um. She was in, am I right in saying, she was in the Justice League, like, later on, at, at some point. Like. What are you, you're talking about the cartoon? No, or I'm what? talking about in the comics, like, post-Morrison, at oh, she's, some she, point. No, she's been, she's been in and out. Right, okay, yeah. Well, she's a cool character, is all I'm trying to say. I, you know, there, there's a character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, Yeah. I mean, I think it's. it's cool. I mean, it's, 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 it's an animal. It's a. Well, I mean, it's another animal man. Just you know, she has a totem instead of just the powers. But I mean, yeah, she's um, got, yeah, she's got like literally a totem that she wears around her neck, and then she holds a totem and she's got like the power of an elephant or something like that. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I like I'm, uh, I mean, animal man a little bit better because I like that he is restricted by whatever animals are around him. Sure, and so he has to be creative in. Yeah, in, in what he does, whereas you know hers is. Look, hers is fine, but it, it reminds me of like the eighties. Mm. You know, of like uh, when people had like a totem that they touched, and then they, you know, uh, almost like a, a brave star. You know what I mean? 
yeah. where you're just tapping to that same animal type of thing and all that. It's fun, but I mean, I, I if you had to ask me be- to choose between Vixen and, and Animal Man, I, I would choose Animal Man just because I think he's I know, a more interesting reach. power set. Yeah, well, probably right. Um, but anyway, look, all I'm saying is, it was a it was a cool character. I do like. Her. Yeah, it was something I wasn't. I'm not super aware of who she even is. I knew her in the vaguest possible way, but uh, it was actually a pretty cool animated uh, cartoon. Now, something I want to discuss on Signal: Tokyo Vice uh, is a new series on HBO Max, and Michael Mann directs the first episode, and it's got that Asian actor Ken Watanabe or something. Is that is that how you say his name? Um, Rich, you'd be familiar with this guy. He's been around a million years. Anyway, he's in it. Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 guy from um, the the Godzilla where he's let them fight. Yes. So I've seen the last samurai. Yeah. Look, it, I've only seen the very beginning. Looks really cool. Um, Tokyo Vice, it's called. So I'm going to do a full review of that uh, by the next time we come back. And by the way, um, after this week, uh, I should mention. Sorry, I forgot to mention. We are going to have a week off for Easter. What, what, sorry, what's it about? It's like crime in Tokyo. <laughs> I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Oh, okay. So, These, so, uh, so, so it's a cop show in Tokyo. I don't know. I was just asking what is. No, I think that's. I think it's. It's. Let, let's 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 bring it up because I know more about it by reputation than anything else. I just checked to see it was there. I haven't actually watched it properly. Tokyo Vice. So, oh, um, it's got that. Uh, it's got that guy from uh, Baby Driver in it. Which guy? Um, okay. The guy that played the uh, baby in Baby Driver. A Western journalist. Oh, that guy. Is that Emil Hirsch? Is that is that him? Or not someone else I'm thinking? Oh, I don't know his name. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, a Western journalist working for a publication in Tokyo takes on one of the city's most powerful crime bosses. Um, yeah, I look... I don't know, but but apparently it's okay. um, apparently it's meant to be pretty good and definitely, um, yeah, it's got this Ken... I mean, Watanabe... Um, is the, is I assume plays the crime boss, and it's, it's actually based on an anime. Is it really? Yeah, there's an old, not like it looks like probably 1980s mm. ish uh, called Tokyo Vice. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Look, uh, look, I, I'm I'm going to check it out, Rich, and maybe you want to as well. And we can see how good it is, man. Like, is it going to match the hype? Oh, what hype! I didn't even know. That. Well, it's been getting a bit of hype. It's been getting a bit of hype because Michael Mann directs the first episode, and apparently did okay. a really okay. amazing I, I, job. Until you, until you mentioned it, I didn't even know the thing existed. Well, there you go. I'm bringing the heat, Rich. You know. So, anyway, there'll be a review next show. We are taking a week off though, uh, due to Easter and myself being extremely fatigued. Um, and Rich is not far away now, Richard. Uh, Tom McFarlane Toys. McFarlane Toys are doing a Nightwolf from Mortal Kombat. And, uh, well, I know what TV's going to be, Brian. Yeah, uh, well, I want to shout out to Brian Biggie at Inner Demons. He's the one who alerted me to this, and it looks fucking fantastic. I shared it on the Twitter account. Check out the at Red Lantern 2051 is my Twitter. Um, I am so thrilled about this Nightwolf, man. You know I love Nightwolf, dude. And just seeing him, he has the hatchets. You know, the green glowing hatchets. Rich, you might remember them. Um, I certainly do many a late night in the 90s with those hatchets, man. Flinging them at the opposition. Um, what an underrated character Nightwolf is, frankly, Rich. Who's Nightwolf again? 
oh, come on, he's a Native American guy. Um, he is Native American. Don't laugh. He is Native American, and um, he's yeah, awesome. I'm just laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he's a fantastic character. For me, frankly, one of the heavy hitters of the franchise, and, and yet feels like he's constantly disregarded. And Tom McFarlane has just seen the light. And, um, yeah, I mean, all I can say is I am just so damn happy that Nightwolf is getting a McFarlane Toys release, and I certainly will be picking it up, Rich. Um, there's no doubt of that. Now, what have you got to say about this, Rich? Ezra Miller, we covered last week his arrest in Hawaii, if you recall. He he shoved some girl or something who was kept doing karaoke, did something else, and then the couple that he was staying with took out a restraining order. The Flash is on pause. According to a knowledgeable source... The consensus in the room at Warner's was to hit pause on any future projects involving Miller, including possible appearances in the DC Cinematic Universe. Um, it, it really is a joke. Like, is this going to mean a more delays of the Flash movie, which has been delayed, it feels like, for a decade now? Um, I don't know. I don't, I, didn't do, I don't really care about Ezra Miller's Flash, so, I mean... Sure. Um, but we want to get the movie that, out there. It's time for the movie to get out there, surely. I don't think they're pausing that movie. I just think they... Because that movie is pretty much done. Yeah. Um, I think they're just saying they're pausing any further uh, future projects with with uh, with Ezra and, like, any cameos and stuff. And all that. Yeah. Which is probably uh, look, that, a good idea. Let's be honest. that that The DC Universe is, like, completely fucked up at the moment. So, mm. I mean... You know, who knows what they do, honestly. Aquaman 2 still coming out, isn't it? Aquaman 2 is still coming. What else is coming? Yeah, I mean, the, the Aquaman 2, the, the Flash movie, I feel, I feel like they've been in like in the works for like 10 years now is what it feels like. <laughs> well, the Flash, it does, it does feel like a long time that this, this whole thing's been going on. Like, it's just, it, it, it has really been so long now that, it, you know, and he was really not incredible as the flash like never at any point was i like man i tell you who's knocking out of the park ezra miller is the flash <laughs> you know what i mean like there was never that yeah. sense there was never that sense at all so yeah um it's troubling news for him but he's only got himself to blame i, I think a lot of people are talking about substance abuse being potentially a problem uh it could be drinking who knows what what's going with ezra miller um he seems like a clown to me rich would you agree Yes, <laughs> yeah, I mean a clown. No, that's how I view the guy. A clown. He's just he's he's just short of a red nose. Put a red nose on him, and then he he's officially a clown. Um, he feels like the guy who stumbled into a hit franchise, you know, or stumbled into a you know a profitable gig based on nothing that he's ever done. Really, I can't think of any movie. He, I know he was in one of the Fantastic Beasts movie, but I I don't see any reason why they cast him as the Flash. In no way does he remind me of the yeah, Flash. You know. I don't crazy yeah 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 i mean his his flash isn't his flashes is like a a completely different creation like sure you know i mean i I could understand if you're like oh do we want to make him like barry uh you know or or um wally but i mean the the ezra miller is basically ezra miller flash it's not you know i don't see barry or wally when when i see his flash so i don't as i said i don't really care about his flashes no but but i i care that i almost want to I care about moving past it, if you know what I mean. That's kind of what I care about at this point. Like, I don't... I, I sort of... I, I feel The Flash is a cool character. I think they could do a lot with him, but I don't think Ezra Miller is necessarily 
you know, worth the price of admission kind of thing. I think the reason people are getting excited about his movies is much to do with Michael Keaton being in it than anything else, really. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, and, and there's multiple Ezra Millers in this movie, so it's like, oh, my God. God, that's a lot of Ezra Miller, you know, like... Exactly. Like, I one thing I've never seen from Ezra Miller is a massive range of acting style either. He's one of those guys who acts one way, you know, one-way traffic all the time. Whenever I've seen him in anything, it's very recognisable, let's see, style kind of thing. And I, I've never re- watched him going, man, I just need... From another angle, can you imagine what he could do with a role? Like, see, he's just not that guy. So, yeah, uh, look, it's interesting in the sense of, like, like a train wreck is interesting, you know, from a distance. But um, it sounds like Warners have finally just gone, we are sick of this guy. We are officially, we are over this guy. He's just more trouble than he's worth. And he's not a huge box office, you know, draw. So why are we persisting kind of thing? Like, this is a guy getting arrested in Hawaii attacking people in bars, you know? Mm. Like, at a certain point, is it worth it? Not really. You become a bigger problem than anything else. Like, it's just like... The the whole... They could reboot The Flash tomorrow with a different actor, and I guarantee you it wouldn't hurt their box office one bit. Really, honestly. I don't think... I don't think there's, there's that many Ezra Miller fans out there that are, like, that passionate about his portrayal of The Flash. Oh, yeah, yeah. But again, the, as I said, the issue... Look, so it's a weird thing because I feel like Marvel is trying to plan their movies too far ahead. Sure. With the same formula. But then on the uh, flip side, I feel like DC doesn't even... Like, Warner doesn't even know what the hell they're doing. And yeah. there's no there's no planning whatsoever. No. In, you know what I mean? In yeah. terms of not even, like, planning of trilogies no. of particular characters, let alone, like, oh, how does it connect? And, no. you know, how does it culminate into one story? It's almost like... We don't even know what the fuck to do with these characters in their own movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I totally agree. Uh, going yeah. forward, so uh, I don't know. It's uh, I just sometimes I just want them to just like go fuck it. Just we 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 are just going to you know um, do a new Flash movie, not Ezra. We're gonna do a new Batman movie like with this, and we're just gonna we're not gonna do the whole world building. We're gonna mm. just give each character their own movie, and maybe they'll like peripherally like um, sort of be joined, but yeah. you know. They, they 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 fucked it up. So mm. I, I don't think you know. I don't think there's anything that can fix the, the 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 continuity mess that they have right now. Other than potentially, ironically, doing a complete uh, reset, which I think is probably the most likely thing that will happen in the Flash. You know that this movie itself will be the reset button. You know what I mean? That 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 there is potential for that. I think. I think there is a potential that the whole Flash movie with all these multiple versions and everything could actually be them hitting reset and that then they can recast and do whatever they want with whoever, you know? I, I think there's a big chance of that, actually, because I think... As I said, I, I feel like they should just do whatever they... Like, in, in a sense, do what they want, right? So yeah. that means don't worry about if Henry Cavill's Superman. If you want Superman in a in a movie, it yeah. doesn't have to be the Henry Cavill Superman. Just no. fucking cast the new guy as Superman and he can be a different Superman. Like, yeah. your worlds don't... They don't connect anyway. It's not that important. You know what basically. I mean? So, yeah. 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 Like, so, I don't yeah. know. That's, no, I agree. Well, I mean, look, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to care about this Ezra Miller thing. I just want to see no. the, the Flash movie, as you said, just for the Michael Keaton. Like, I just want to yeah, see what he what does in the movie and yeah. how cool he looks as, as the old Batman. That's all I want to see. That's no, all I'm I care re- about. I'm really looking forward to that part. Um, now, basically, Rich, something I want to bring up to you. Are you aware that 
this rumour has broken out about Doctor Strange 2, uh, Multiverse of Madness, that a recast, a new recast Wolverine is going to appear. This rumour, I, I think we've reported on it previously, months ago, it, it, it cropped up again like wildfire the other day on the internet. Um, do you think there's much potential that there could be a new recast Wolverine shown in this Doctor Strange movie? Uh, yeah, probably, but uh, it might not be uh, uh, the Wolverine going forward, though. It's the multiverse. Right, okay. So you're saying someone who's not Hugh Jackman, but is someone else, kind of... Th- why would they recast it and then not stick with it, though? Why wouldn't you... Why would you do that? Well, I mean, the, you've... I mean, uh, you've got another... Po- we'll, we'll, we'll bring this forward, right, because... Um, uh, late, uh, we've got another thing here. When you said when the official Multiverse of Madness trailer dropped during this year's Super Bowl, mm. many fans were convinced that Tom uh, Tom Cruise would yes. be seen as Superior Iron Man. Yes, yes, right. So my point is, it's the multiverse. So you could just get an actor to be a Wolverine. Yeah, from some multiverse, and then still save yourself. What well, you can turn around and say, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that's you know me. maybe that actor does well enough, and and you want to use him or or. Yeah you know, or, or, or when you do the X-Men, but you, you can do that. You can safely just get a fan casting or just someone that yeah. you want to see as Wolverine just for this movie and go, it's the multiverse guys. Like it's, you know, maybe it's an, an older fan casting of, you know, someone else who never got, to, you know what I mean? Like sure. just, it, it doesn't have to be the new Wolverine. No, it that's just good be point. a Wolverine. It's just like saying, look, let's just do hypothetical. If Tom Cruise does turn up in this thing, not that I think he will, but just say he did. I don't think anyone's thinking Tom Cruise is going to be Iron Man for the next 20 years. You know, it would be stunt casting to get eyeballs on it, yada, yada, yada. But as you say, it could just be a one-off, you know, because of the multiverse angle. Agreed? I mean, again, you you can use it to maybe see people's reaction and sure. see if that's a good fit for the Wolverine, but you, you give yourself an out yes. by it being the multiverse. So, yeah. Now, also, Rich, uh, something else, huge news. Uh, German authorities, in coordination with the U.S. Justice Department, shut down the Hydra Market, a Russian-language site that they describe as the world's largest and longest-running illegal marketplace on the dark web. This sounds like some fucking Frank Castle shit, man, him going after, you know, the Russian hackers. Um, This news didn't get a lot of heat, and I almost want to say this. I think that they're trying to basically subvert the news, Rich. They're trying to, like, you know, censor the news. But I got deep enough into the news cycle that I saw this, man, and it was kind of blink and you miss it. You know, because I've said before, do I think the governments are censoring the news that we get? Yes, I do. Do I think aliens landed in 52? Yes, I do. You know? Um, And this is another example, Rich. What do you think about this, shutting down this dark marketplace on the dark web, man? Like, are you picturing like a Frank Castle kind of mission? No, I don't think it'll be that savage. Well, I think it'll just be a bunch of bureaucrats doing something. But I didn't even. Well, it's it's a um, hydra market, man. Uh, hydra. I don't know. I mean, announcing something and and stuff is is not the same as doing it. So I mean, sure. or, or even being successful. So you know, the problem with if I mean, it's the the world's largest and longest running illegal marketplace on yeah. the dark web. I mean, yeah. you don't get to be the largest and longest running if you were that easy to bloody. Um, <laughs> shut down in the first place or even, you know, track down. So it's the one they know about. You know. It's one they know about is how I see it. 
you know? Again, it's good to announce these things to make it look like you are doing something or being proactive. And, I mean, I'm sure you would like to do it. I just don't. You know what I mean? I mean, when, when, when you describe it as, like, the world's largest and longest-running illegal marketplace, I just go, well, clearly you've had no success before. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll get lucky this time or, or things will fall in place, but I wouldn't hold my breath. No, yeah, it's just, it, it just got me, man. What about me thinking I read the news and then I came back seconds later and it was gone? Was that me seeing into the program? You know what I'm saying? Did Dave stumble across a bit of truth in the program? If that's how you want to view it, okay, you can. Well, could be that someone just took the article down or, or, sure. or something down because sure. there was something infactual in it. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, whatever, you know, however, however you like to look at the world, you know. It's, I'm not it's sure. How, I'm not sure how I want to look at it, man. That's my problem, you know. I'm, 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 well, you you've got to make a decision, Dave. You've got to make a decision. I'm, I'm, well, I'm ready to ask JM. What does he think? Throw it over to him. You know, he's the expert on like the supernatural and all this kind of stuff. Are we in a simulation? Yes or no? Red, red button or blue button? Go. Well, I already have my answer, but I mean, what's your answer? Know. Yes. We are? No. No. Oh, I want to show. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, Unfortunately, I'm too much of a realist, Dave, and I, I, it would be nice to blame all of my problems on some fictional, uh, ethereal sort of problem where it's not my fault, it's the program's fault. It's the, Sure. You know, no, I hear. I hear. No, I agree. My life's been programmed to be the shitty, and I'm like, I just can't do that. I just, I can't, yeah. I can't do that. It's, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like, I mean, you know, we live in the prison we make ourselves in a lot of ways, you know? kind of cribbing from something i read recently but you know, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff, i'm you know. i'm a big proponent of, of taking responsibility for your own actions and sure. not trying to sure um uh you know uh blame it on some ethereal i'm a big fan of not taking responsibility and just walking away <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> moving fast so it doesn't catch you that's what i was... <laughs> big fan almost, of almost like an arsonist <laughs> yeah just like i mean the... you pretty much just described an arsonist like light the fire and run let it fucking burn man you know like <laughs> Um, anyway, now I've got a new section of the show, Rich, uh, and I'm not 100% happy with my title so far. I'm calling it Halo Cast. What do you think? Is it good to describe Halo? Like, have you got a better title for my show, show than Halo Cast? Well, what's the, what's the point what is, of the segment? Describing the Halo show, the Halo TV show. And I, and oh, you, you mean for, like, for, for discussion? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Halo cast is what I wrote down, but I but I wanted to throw it over to you. Have you got something else other than Halo cast to describe the Halo? Because you've played the games and everything, you know. Uh jeez, I don't know because okay. I mean, um, well, I mean you could call, you could call you could call the segment. I mean, you keep it very simple and just call the segment. How bad is Halo? <laughs> well, <laughs> have you watched any of it yet? Because we, we watched episode two, which was slightly no. better than episode one, I will say that. It, it was slightly better than episode one. It was more. It was about a six out of ten, this one. Um, no, again, it's not a real Halo show, so I have no interest in it. Um, sure. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, but unprofessional. I mean, what, like, what about being on the show and having to review everything? You know? No, no, no. But as I said, <laughs> if they made a proper Halo show, I would review it for the show. But, but I mean, I'm I'm not going to be watching some. I'm not going to watch a fake fan made Halo show that right. is not actually Halo. I feel like that's just uh, that's pointless. 
Let's have a look here and see what it's got on Metacritic. Because I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 for episode 2. Well, look, there you go. On Metacritic right now, it's got a 61, which is generally favourable reviews. So it's in the green. And I gave it 6 yeah, out of 10. It's, it's just in the green. Just. Like, it's, it's just above 50. Like, it's, it's, it's just above, like, middle of the road. Like, it's not great. It's got a user score of 6.1 and a Metacritic score of 61. So they're the same. Um, you know, uh, look, I, I'd give episode one 5.5, I'd give episode two 6 out of 10. Um, it's okay, like, oh, frankly. By the way, a, a better name, you can call it um, uh, the Halo Reflection. Halo Reflection, okay, fair enough, we'll call it that. All, all I want to say is this, if someone is out there um, who has watched the, the actual um, show and played a little bit of the games, please write in with your thoughts, because I haven't played the games at all. And I, and I don't think it's a great show. Like, it's Michelle and I said to each other, like, after the episode, it's just on the borderline of being watchable kind of thing. But, you, you, but, but, but Dave, that's my point. For someone who hasn't even, like, really played the games, right? Mm. You Like, who's not really, like, invested in the games, the characters, sure. the lore, right? Sure. The fact that you just find it passable. Yeah. Just imagine what a Halo fan would find a show that you've deemed just passable. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I just, I'm not going to, like, there's enough crap I have to read and watch sure. for no, no, understood. the podcast. I'm not going to watch something that I'm a massive fan of. Yeah, that's disappointing um, you. Which is just going to aggravate me every week. Yeah, that's fine. Well, that's you why know, I'm doing it. That's you know. why I'm doing it. So I will say this. I, I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about it because it wasn't that great. I'd give it a six for episode two. It had me interested. In Halo the Games, I wanted to ask you this. Is he often on the run from, like, the government or the military or whoever the hell that no, one? No. no. That is something that only happened in Halo 5. Right. Or, uh, or kind of, it, it happened at the end of Halo 4 uh-huh. um, that, that he kind of goes rogue, but um, Halo 5 is massively centred around him sort of going rogue. So... It does, but the, no, the first three games, he's a, you know, yes, sir, get the job done, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's kick their asses, sir. Like, um, this show, as I said, this show's not Halo. Like, it's just, it's not, um, the character isn't accurate, you mm. know. As I said, like, it's so weird to me because they are actually making the Mandalorian, right? Because they've even given him a a young sidekick. Yes. The girl, um, with, yeah. with that chick, you know what I mean? But then they don't have the balls to keep the helmet on like the Mandalorian did, you know, and save it, like, sparingly yeah. of him taking um, yeah. his helmet off. And then, of course, he takes the helmet off. I'm so sorry. The guy just looks so derpy. Like, I just... He does. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's not it a good look. It bothers me seeing him that often, because I believe he has a helmet off, off for most of episode two from what... Yes, uh, he does. Uh, he Frank re- tells me he's, he's pretty much the whole episode it has got the helmet off. And I'm like, I'm not interested in seeing a show where it's a guy cosplaying as master chief with his helmet off like mm. entire fucking show i just i can't i just don't care yeah fair enough man fair enough uh i don't care that much about either but but i will watch uh one more episode i'm right on the verge it's actually a bit of a slow period in terms of like stuff coming out so i've kind of given a bit of time and i like to give shows like this a chance but um I'm, we're thinking of flicking to the expanse instead for a sci-fi show you know which is on amazon so um, oh, the expanse got much higher production values than the the Halo, okay. from what I've from, again from with the snippets that I've seen. Which is so weird, though. Like you would think Halo, like with the built-in audience base of the Halo games, you'd put a little, sink a lot of money into Halo. I would have thought, like, 
you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Assassin's Creed. If you can make a good fucking show, the amount of people who play those games that would turn up to watch the show is enormous before it even crosses over to the you know mainstream viewing public. Like, there's a built-in audience. That's how I say it. Yeah, but that's the problem with the video game movies and TV shows is they don't give a fuck about the built-in audience. They sure. they only care about the normie audience. Yeah, you know, I, like, I think that, like, after the failure of the Assassin's Creed movie, which even I have to say was awful, um, you would think that, the, like... These games are going gangbusters. It's not like these games, these Halo games and Assassin's Creed games are huge. At a certain point, the audience does want sort of like a bit like the game. You know, you want to capture a bit of it and then then I think the sky's the limit. Anyway, we're, all I can say is there's nothing exceptional about the Halo show at all. Like the fact I'm giving it 5.5 for episode one and six for episode two and I'm feeling like I'm slightly generous, you know? <laughs> like... It's barely—I would describe it as it's not even barely above average. It's average, basically, and, and you could you argue know, you, a bit below. What I would have preferred from a Halo TV show, right, is I would have preferred uh, there, there's a war going on, right? Now, people can tell me if I'm wrong. No, this is just my preference, right? Sure. Is you you do the show, but you 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 center around like um, uh, the um, uh, I'm trying to remember what they're called now. Uh, they're kind of like these drop troopers, right? Uh, yeah. They were basically, uh, uh, they're called uh, orbital drop troopers, I think, uh, ODST. Right. They even did a spin-off game about it, right? Uh-huh. And uh, the spin-off game was really cool because you had uh, the voices of uh, Nathan Fillion. Um, Your boy, uh, Nathan Fillion, back again. And Yep, and um, Adam Baldwin. Okay, yeah. And then also Nolan North, the voice of uh, Deadpool in the video games. Cool. And basically it was the four of them, and... You know, they were sort of on a mission and sort of go so and there was no Master Chief in the game. Now, I'm not saying you don't have Master Chief in the TV show. I just say you don't make him the, the focal point. It's like he's doing his shit. Yeah. He's winning the war kicking the ass. And you kind of tell the story from the point of view of the the grunts, the yes. the, the ODST troopers, you know. Um uh, and you can have, you know, maybe like, you know, Master Chief shows up in one episode when they in like some trouble and kick some fucking ass or shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you're always hearing about the shit that Master Chief's doing, which is more in line with the games. And you keep that mystery about Master Chief intact. Yeah. Instead of making the show about him and, and kind of spoiling the character. In my in my sense, ruining mm. that version of the character. Not mm. You're not ruining the games because that's the games, but you're ruining that version of the character that, that uh, it's supposed to be based on. Yeah, can I also say this? Um, if you're bothering to take the helmet off, he should have looked a lot more imposing than the guy they've got playing him, basically. If you're, yeah, yeah, if you're bothering yeah. to do it, and I'm not saying you should do it because even as someone like me, a complete I'm not even a casual fan of the games. I just know of them because I've owned Xboxes for so long. I, I've always thought the look of it looks really cool, like you know the helmet and all that, and it does look cool in the show as well. You take that helmet off, and it's not imposing at all. It should have been like a really tough guy, maybe with a few scars. It's just, I don't know, it's like a poor man's Lee Schreiber is the guy they've got for it, you know? Like, um, it's just not it's just not good. And, uh, yeah, it's a failure. And, and that comes down to casting, because I'm sorry, casting, you know, look is big, you know, when you're casting. Like, for a show like this, like, it, it's important that if you're going to take a helmet off of Master Chief that he looks imposing as fuck, I would have thought, you know? Like I would have thought that's crucial, um, but anyway, so they've they've fumbled the ball there. 
Now, Rich, now this isn't confirmed. Now, have you seen Morbius yet? No, we need to go watch that together. We do need to go watch it. And, and in fact, I would like to see it if we can next week. Now, yeah. are you okay with a slight spoiler? Sure. Okay. Now, this is from my colleague at work. And, uh, look, I've not seen this confirmed on the internet, but he's saying Blade is in it at the end. Um, so spoilers, kids out there. Briefly, though, and he wasn't that impressed because I'm a huge... He and I are both huge Blade fans. And I said, how was he? He goes, look, mate, he was in it he, two minutes, you know, and he, it's just at the very end and he sort of threatens Morbius like... I said, how did he compare to Wesley? And he said, not even close. Not even close. You know? Um, oh, no, but those, that, dude, those are, those are very hard shoes to fill. I they feel, are, yeah. I, I feel sorry for anybody who has to um, uh, fill in the shoes of, of Wesley Snipes as, as Blade. Like, mm. his Blade is, is just, it's iconic. It is, yeah, I agree. So, anyway, uh, look, I've not seen this confirmed elsewhere, but um, I do want to see the movie, Ridge, so maybe we should make some time next week. Uh, before I go away, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we've got, yeah, we've got time. We can, we can go, we can go next week. Yeah, uh, let's, maybe let's do it. We don't need to sort it well, out. We'll have to, actually. we'll have to do it before the Easter weekend. So yes. maybe we'll go like Wednesday or Thursday or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, Rich. Now, um, however, this Richard, two new spin-off shows are inspired by 2009 Sherlock Holmes are in development at HBO Max with star Robert Downey Jr. producing. Do we really need two spin-off shows from the Sherlock Holmes movies? <laughs> Of Robert Downey Jr. from ten years ago, uh, I would have preferred an actual third movie in so that trilogy. I. So would I. Uh, but yes, um, I agree. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, Robert's getting a bit too old now. He's, I think, he's getting a bit too long in the tooth. But Sherlock uh, Holmes was old himself. No, but I mean, actual Robert Downey Jr. I just don't maybe think he as uh, he's as I don't know. Maybe he's just not as fit or as active as he used to be, and he's trying to pass it to. Uh, just getting into producing now and maybe not doing as much acting anymore. Yeah, but like, dude, who wants to see spin-off shows of Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes is a star. What are these Watson shows? Like, who else is there? There's the brother, I guess. There was the I sister in I'm, the... I don't know. It, I mean, well, you know, there is that fake sister now. What's her Enola name? Enola Holmes. Uh, in, in, Enola Holmes or whatever. I mean. Yeah. So, I don't know. But I, I'm not too thrilled about it. Um, and I liked the Robert Downey Jr. movies, and, and I'm not thrilled about it. Now, the Suicide Squad's Daniela Melchor has been cast in Scream 6. Wow. I enjoyed Scream 5, actually. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Did you actually watch it, Rich, in the end? Oh, no. Oh, God. oh that's right, because you don't like slashes. That's right. That's right, Richard. You don't like slashes, despite the enormous success uh, of the Scream franchise. I don't. No, 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 no. I don't mind slashes if it's like um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth or okay. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, sure. I like stuff with a bit more supernatural to it, but I don't really give a shit about a guy in a uh, just a regular person well, in the costume. Well, or girl, or girl. Is that, well, whatever. I'm, like a person, just a, a, a <laughs> random person that puts on a fucking. <laughs> Mask and just goes around <laughs> killing people because you don't care about the ghost face killer. You don't care about ghost face. Seriously? No, I don't. Wow, well, hey. sorry. You know, I I, I um wore to a, a work uh like Christmas party. You had to go as like a character from your favorite decade or something, and I went as the ghost face killer. I thought it was pretty cool. It's pretty. Happy wow, what a what a lot of effort you put in there. Yeah, well, someone say, <laughs> well, hey, I had to I had to like buy it. Put it on. 
I had the knife as well. It was awesome. I was going. And it was. It, I've, I've got it somewhere here in my office. There's a knife, and it's got like blood in it as well, like red liquid, and you can like turn around, and the blood's like dripping and stuff. It looks pretty cool. I was having a great time with that with that costume on. I was loving it. I was going up to people, all party, like knife in the back and stuff, you know, throat, all that kind of stuff, like. Oh my goodness, Jesus! There's something wrong with you. <laughs> I was really, I was having the time of my you're life. Like, you're, you're, you're enacting your fantasy, like I'm gonna stab you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Like you gotta get in the role, man. You gotta, you gotta yeah, enjoy it a little bit. Well, you didn't get fully into the role because you didn't kill anyone. No, full stabby stabby mode. Um, yeah, but uh, now we're coming up to our favorite part of the show, Rich Moonlight Serenade. Um, did you watch episode two of Moon Knight, Richard? And what were your thoughts? Uh, I did. Um, <sighs> the weird thing, I I I like the show, but it's I, I feel like it suffers from being a Marvel production. Okay, in what sense? Lack of violence or what? Uh, no, well, the lack of violence, but I would have. I just it the the jokes are not landing for me. Um, it's it's it's, it's a typical Marvel thing where everything's got to be funny. Everyone's got to be a caricature. Sure. You know, I, I, I just, I, I just, I want a little bit more seriousness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the Ethan. Like, that's why I, I'm getting, I, I'm actually getting a kick out of the Ethan Hunt character. Ethan Hawke. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Sorry. Yeah. Ethan, uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hunt's the uh, Mission Impossible. Anyway, uh, Ethan Hawke, like, he's, he's played it very serious. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, he's good. He's almost, he's quite menacing in a way. But then, you know, like, all the other characters that he speaks to are just like they're generally like over the top caricatures. Like when he talks to security guard, you mm. know, it's like I just, I, I just want a little less humor mm. and a little bit more, especially for this subject matter. I just want a little bit more serious. Yeah, no, know, I hear. Just, yeah, just you know, I, I know I take get rid of the jokey jokes altogether, but maybe just like step back a little bit, just say, hey guys, let's are we going too hard? Yeah, are we going too hard on the jokey jokes? Like, you know, I, and that's why I said like I really enjoy the show. I like the premise. Um, I'm enjoying the story. It's just that it just reminds me every time that it's a Marvel production mm. because it's constantly trying to be funny. And I just, I just wanted to take a break from trying to be funny all the time. But mm. other than that, that's the only real, um, uh, nitpick I have is, is the, is the constant, uh, wise cracking sort of stuff. But other than that, it's pretty good. Um, special effects are really good. Um, I quite like. Uh, I like the idea that the 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 white suit is when uh, Stephen sort of summons the suit. Yeah, Mister um, Nice. As, yeah, as, yeah. As as opposed to Mark. Mm. Um, I, I like that sort that of thing. Cool, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm interested in to find out more about you know the Egyptian gods and all that and you know uh, what's happening and, and stuff. So um, yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, I am enjoying it for the most part, but as I said, I just I need I need a break from the the jokes. Okay, I've look. I am overall enjoying it, but I will say this, and Michelle made the same comment. I felt they leant far too heavily on the Steve Grant character, the wacky kind of like. So you know, we're supposed to find him really kind of amusing, and it felt like a real repeat uh, of what they'd just done in episode one. So I felt like we've already done episode one. Why are we doing episode one again? You know, I, I, I wanted to see more Moon Knight. I just felt the story should have been moving on a bit faster. Uh, Michelle made that comment, and I totally agree with her. I, I, you know you know what I mean? I felt like we did episode one. Why are we doing it again? Um, Ethan. I do. I, I agree with you from, from, from that. Like, I do agree with you. Like, when it started, you're like, oh, we're back to the, 
But I think it moved on from that pretty quickly because we we definitely got more story development. We met the wife um, of Mark. Um, we got a little bit more explaining of who the Ethan Hawke mm. character is and, and the guy that he's serving. So, I mean, I felt like I, I, I had that fear as well from the start, right? When he woke up in the bed and I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, are we going back to the hole? But, you know, once he got fired from the museum, I thought it, I thought it picked up. And, and started like progressing and, and then it ended with him in Egypt. So I, I agree with you, but I did think that they moved on from that pretty quickly. Yeah, fair enough, man. Uh, like, yeah, look, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I did like, I agree with you. I did like the look of Conchu. I didn't like that he was invisible and they were fighting something invisible. I didn't think it looked really very cool, but I did like that the look of Conchu when you could see him. I also liked the explanation for the Mr. Knight suit that was like the Warren Ellis kind of suit, wasn't it? Wasn't that the Warren Ellis? Uh, yeah. Was it Declan Shelby? I'm not sure who it was. It was someone with Warren Ellis who, who did it. And I liked that explanation for it. I thought, I thought it was a good explanation for why he well, was fighting like that. Can I say, I actually like that, that, that like what they're fighting are invisible because it still leaves you with that question of, is it all in his head? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it's still playing with that, like um, uh, what's real, what's not real. Now, again, he did attack the woman, but again, for all we know, everything he's doing, he's imagining. Do you know what I mean? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Like he could be imagining the bad guy. He could be even imagining his wife. Because remember, no one else has really interacted with his wife other than him. Yeah, no, totally. You know, you, totally right. you know what I mean? Like, I, maybe I'm reaching in too much, but I kind of like that it's invisible because it's it's still leaving you with that like what's real and you know that we're dealing with someone who's yeah. who's clearly not you know he's having obviously some sort of mental breakdown he's you know got uh, a split personality and stuff and all that so I like that it's funny because then you know you're not having these people screaming in the streets you just see these people going what the fuck is Wackendoo doing like you know the one person going like is he having a stroke and then he goes nah he's just a a, a posh drunk <laughs> because he was in the the white suit, you know what I mean? And he, he just looks like a drunken in the streets. And I quite like that because it still plays with the what's in his head. And I, I love that concept. And I put, so put this out there on, I totally agree with you, Richard. I, I read Intermittent Moon Knight over the years. So like I read quite a bit of Doug Munch stuff. And then I was reading the Charlie Houston stuff. And I read some Bender stuff. And I read this and I read that. I read Jeff Lemire's and, you know, I read Ellis and, I was always like, is it the God? I mean, they seem to vary on if the God was real or not. Uh, they also varied at times of whether his mental illnesses, you know, that was that's become much more of a recent thing they really dig into a lot. But at times, he didn't have mental illnesses. He had different personas that he just seemed to go into, uh, uh, you know, like disguises almost, you know what I mean? Like, as opposed to uh, split personalities. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is... Um, I was left with a fairly fractured sense of what was actually, for quote-unquote, continuity in terms of Moon Knight. And I like that this show, hopefully, isn't answering these questions 100% of the time. But So I put a question out on Into the Night, you know, Ray's show. Um, and I'm going to read it out, Rich, because I was in I was in a deep mood this week because I was reading all about James DeMatteis and... You know, um, was just channeling a bit of inner depth, Rich. You know, not one of my specialties. Um, but it was rising to the surface, and so I, I, I wrote a, a question out to the audience on. Um, oh man, where the fuck is it? Like, you know, 
it's just so much shit going on. Oh, you know what? I'll, I know how I can find it because all these people um, were commenting on it. So let's find it. So Dave's question on Into the Night. Here it is. Okay, so I had a discussion point which I want to talk about on Signal Doom, but I want other loonies' views. I saw a recent article about whether Konshu is a real god, as in an actual divinity in the MCU, or is it more likely to be some kind of advanced life form such as the Asgardians, or perhaps something extra extra dimensional like an entity? Anyway, curious what you guys and gals thought as you were the experts. And there was a range of you know questions. Some people saying they like it when he's ambiguous, um, or you know, is he real, or is he just in Mark's head? Um, a Charlie Essa, who's at Capes Lunatic, said, "I think the story is better when it's unclear if Conchu exists." or is a manifestation of Mark's psychosis. Given mind over matter as a superpower is very much a part of Marvel's standard practices, the idea that he has manifested a being called Conchu makes for an interesting take. Like the Joker, the more unreliable the narrator, uh, narrator the better the story is. Uh, then one other guy is just saying he's got like the full stats on Conchu. He's like an elder god. Um, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of people seem to be saying they like it when it's left ambiguous, Rich. Yeah, I mean, well, again, I mean, yes, I mean, especially if you are delving into a character who, you know, um, is finding it hard to distinguish between reality and fantasy, you know, mm. who's, yes, a, a, as you pointed out, uh, you know, I mean, before the whole mental thing, it was just different personas that he took on, you know, whether he was like undercover or doing yeah. whatever and stuff and all that. But what they did was they took that and played it into like, what if his psyche through all this got fractured then he started forgetting about the other characters that he was or yeah uh, you know what i mean or, or kept switching between the characters and so yeah um and when you're dealing with that yes for sure you definitely don't want to i mean if he was just like a standard superhero oh i got my powers from country you know yeah uh, then country would be real but the fact that to make the character more interesting they've they've given him that sort of like um that mental instability to the the point where yeah, uh, he could have just been a mercenary who was like on death door. Mm. Imagine a uh, Egyptian god saving him or, or bestowing upon him, and and you know being a, 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 a agent of vengeance. You know, I mean, like it's very interesting. Of like, is the whole thing in his head? Like, mm. is this the, is this the thing that he concocted to give himself the the permission to go out and beat the shit out but, of people? But if it's in his head, be, who's uh, attacking all the people? If it's in his head. Who's because because Conchu was actually destroying other people in the crowd in this show. Like no, he, not no. Conchu wasn't doing yes that. Yes, he was You're talking about the dog. Well, the dog. Yeah, the dog. Sorry. Yeah, the dog. Yeah, the dog was. So an invisible thing was like attacking people. Like no, at, well, again, it, no. To be fair, other than his wife. No, it did. There was a scene where it, you saw them. It had, it had trashed all these people as well. So it was no, taken. no, because people no, because no one was no. I I promise you, go watch it. Yes, cars and all that got damaged, but it didn't actually attack or hurt anyone because no one was like, "What the fuck," you know, like I, I, and and then he he got it away from the people. So other than his wife, it didn't actually attack anyone in the street. Okay, it, it hit cars and stuff and all that, but it didn't actually attack anyone. And that's why I said it. While you're going like, oh, okay, it's reacting with the physical, it's not actually interacting with anyone other than Mark and his wife. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And so, again, like, you know, it could still all be in his head. Okay. Yeah, it could be. Good point. And so at the end, he was in Egypt. 
I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I think in the show they'll, they'll it'll be real. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I, I do think that the but I, I for the now I think that they're still keeping it like is it you know because I mean remember what happened to him at the um, in the museum and then when they go and watch the videos, mm. there's nothing. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? true. That's like, a good point. That's a very so, good point you know, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm sure it'll turn out to be real because again, it's Marvel. It will. It will. <laughs> that that they they always they always take it back to the generic. You know, like they're willing to do their little excursions, but they always go back to formula. Always. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, now we had some news on this Batman Unburied, the Spotify exclusive narrative podcast starring Black Panther's Winston Duke as Bruce Wayne. Finally, has a release date. Uh, it's coming on May 5th, and we'll delve into some of the darker aspects of Batman's mythology. Uh, while the episode count is currently unknown, the podcast features an all-star cast of voices, including Winston Duke, Duke uh, vocal talents of Gina Rodriguez, uh, Jason Isaacs, Hassan Minha, Lance Hedwick, Ashley Birch, and John Rice davies uh, Is Gina Rodriguez the woman who was cancelled, Richard, from um, Star Wars? No. But, oh, it's someone no. else. Oh, okay. You, you know, I'm trying to think of that woman. I can't figure uh, out. You, yeah, Gina Carano. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, interesting. Uh, look, I mean, I've, I, I I listen to podcasts. I should make more of an effort. I keep meaning to to listen to that Wolverine podcast, and I never have. Um, I just find it hard to invest. But you know what? I do like radio drama. I love Gunsmoke. I love The Shadow. I guess I should try, Rich. Do you think? Should I just try, just for the signal? Should I just try to care? about a Batman podcast? What do you think? Oh, I mean, it is Batman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I mean... I've got to get you know, it. You are, you are Batman's number one fan. I am, actually. But I'm Wolverine's as well. And it was... And, I, you know, I never quite... I, I just get impatient, like... Because I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, there's just there's just so many things that want my attention. And I, can I sit down? And you've kind of got to be in a dark room. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to make an effort on Batman and Wolverine. I'm flipping over a new fucking leaf. From now on... You you flip it. From now on, I'm all about Batman and Wolverine, 24-7. Before it was was 23-7, now it's (laughs) 24-7. Joe Abercrombie uh, has got a new trilogy, which begins with the Devils. Uh, This is the guy who did, like, The Blade Itself, I think, uh, books. Um, the Devils begins a series in which the publisher says fuses the best of fantasy with the most gripping elements of a high spy and thriller fiction. It synopsis reads, In a magic-riddled Europe, under constant threat of elf invasion, the ten-year-old Pope occasionally needs services that cannot be performed by the righteous, and so sealed deep within beneath the catacombs, cathedrals, and relic stalls of the sacred city lies a secret chapel of the holy expediency. For its highly disposable congregation, including a self-serving magician, a self-satisfied vampire, an oversexed werewolf, and a knight cursed with immortality, there is no mission that cannot be turned into a calamitous bloodbath. Um, that actually sounds pretty cool, I think, personally. Have you read any of his books, Rich? Mm, no. I don't uh, the Blade itself is, is, is the first one, I think it's called, and uh, it's actually pretty good. I've read about half of it. It's a good good read, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it, it's kind of dark. They call it grim dark fantasy, but it's actually got a fairly large... What I've read has got a fairly large dose of black humour in it as well. It's quite 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 good, but it is that darker yeah. style of fantasy. 
Yeah, he's, again, he's one of those authors where when I worked at the bookshop, I would see his books mm. like, all the time, but I just never um, never really partook. Now, Richard, do you want to partake in telling us the newest and most ridiculous Jared Leto story that's here in the news next? Have you got it in front of you? Let's have, let's, have, let's have a read of this. It is really <laughs> quite pathetic, frankly. Morbius director Daniel Espinosa confirmed that Jared Leto would remain in character and use his crutches to take bathroom breaks. He eventually made a deal that the crew would take him there in a wheelchair to speed up the process. According to Sony Pictures, the film finished in the finished its three-day debut with $39.1 million, which while not the numbers posted by its shared universe, Stablemates, Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage. Those opened at 80 million and 90 million, respectively. It also not a disaster of, say, 2015, 2015's Fantastic Four. Yeah. Additionally, as Sony only spent a reported 75 million on the film, Morbius earned more than half his production budget in its opening week. Yes. In so a different era, that would be considered a great debut for a new uh, new release. Um, yeah, but I mean, Venom didn't. Did Venom come out during COVID? I don't think so. I don't know, but but I think the the point I was making, which is how ridiculous is this story that this guy Jared Leto once again proving what a fuckwit he must be, he's insisting that he needs to take his crutches to the bathroom, and then he has to be because he's taking so long, he actually has to be wheelchaired to the bathroom. He can walk, you know what I mean? Like it's it, it's becoming re- readily Look, he's, apparent. He's, he's one of these weirdo thespians. Okay, he's mm. one of these like. Um, you know, um, everyone wants to be a Daniel Day-Lewis. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone, because he's renowned for, like, staying in character yeah. um, until it's done, until it's finished and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I think, you know, people like Jared Leto and all that, they take it a bit too far. I really kind do. Of thinking all that. I mean, at the end of the day, you're a bloody actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but you should be able to switch it off and on. Like, yeah. this whole, like, oh, I've got to get into character. It's like, no. You, the, the whole point of acting is that you don't live that life. Exactly. You're not that person. You're pretending to have that life or be that person. You don't have to You don't have to live that life to be able to act it. Do you know it, what I mean? It's like, almost it's just amateur very, to me. It's, it's almost weird. amateur. Like, it's ridiculous. Not amateur. It's one of those things where you, that, uh, some people just take it too far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, in fact, it's like it's, it's uh, not amateur. It's basically like um, uh, it's a professional who's like, uber um committed mm. but committed to the point of parody you know committed to the yeah, point of just yeah, absurdity yeah. well there's that famous story with dustin hoffman where he was going on and on about all the different things he was doing to get in character for marathon man and um Laurence olivier said why don't you try acting my dear boy <laughs> <laughs> like you know like at, at, you know at a certain point it's like Calm down, like learn your lines. Like I, I understand wanting to be in character a bit on the set, in the lead up to your scene. You know what I mean? Like get, getting it together for like five, ten minutes beforehand. But Jared Leto takes it to a ridiculous level, which I agree is is so easy to parody. And obviously, no one tells him no. He doesn't hear the word no ever in his life. It's it's crazy. Um, now, how about this? Uh, prolific Punisher writer Carl Potts, who was a great Punisher editor and writer on Punisher War Journal. Um, now, he created Alien Legion. He revealed that Disney have spent $6 million on rewrites for an Alien Legion script. It's been passed around many a hand in Hollywood, the Alien Legion stuff, and 
Um, you know, he's the creator of it. Chuck Dixon wrote a big chunk of Alien Legion in the in the 80s, like a, like a lot of Alien Legion, and it's good stuff too. Um, but, yeah, that just shows you how, you know, much money is spent in Hollywood on a project that just gets passed around in development hell, Rich. $6 million. And, and you know, cameras have never started rolling on an Alien Legion film. That is... You know, mm. it's crazy. I saw Chuck made a comment on Facebook, where's my cut? You know, because <laughs> he wrote a, a huge bulk of storylines for of, for the comic. Um, but, yeah, and now Max Payne 1 and 2 are both being remade by Remedy Rich with AAA funding from Rockstar. Were you a player of the original games? I'm imagining you were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, those were uh, original Xbox days, baby. Yeah, I was going to um, say, you would have been a new were- element. Oh, they were fantastic. Um, the yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it would I? I you know what? I, I I would like to kind of see, I guess, a remake of that, just because um, they are so old. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind that. I'm not a ma- I'm not a fan of like remakes for like fairly new stuff. Sure, but I mean, if a game's almost like twenty years old, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, um, you know, it, 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 uh, yeah, if. If you're telling me you're going to remake like an Xbox One, PlayStation One mm. sort of game, um, then yes, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, those were great games back in the day. Technology advanced. You know, you could you could tweak the mechanics and and give it even more of a cinematic noir yeah sort of um, feel. So um, you know what? I'm I'm very down for that. But if you're telling me like, oh, we're doing a remake of a game that just came out five years ago, and I'm like, come yeah. on, like yeah, that's I'm looking, I'm looking at I'm looking at you, Skyrim. <laughs> Never afraid to take a shot at Skyrim, are you, Rich? Well, you know? to be fair, that game is that game has been re-released so many fucking times. Yeah, like, no, honestly. it has. It has. It, too, too many times, I, I would say. Actually, you know, if I'm being honest, um, too many times, and it, it, to a point of almost parody. You know. Mm. Yeah. No, I agree. yeah for sure, for sure. No, but yeah, I, I'm definitely. In fact, there's there's quite a few. I would love a. I would love a remake of Jade Empire from the original Xbox. I remember, I remember that actually. Yeah, I remember that from uh, like I didn't play it, but I I remember that it being a game. It, I think I think it must have got like a lot of um, ads in comic books because I, I remember it well actually. Um, yeah, so yeah. The, the pro- it was fantastically reviewed, uh, but it didn't sell well, um, and so I think that's rife. And it, it's one of I feel like before Mass Effect, one of Bioware's like. Uh, best games like because this came out just after like knights of the old republic right which was like fantastic yeah but then they took what they learned from there and you know now they were starting to like let's we want to make a console game right? mm. so you know we want to get into the console market so this was their first foray into like making a game like really centered around the console and what was the um, storyline what was the what was the oh you know what uh it, it's basically it's a kung fu you know uh martial arts in a fantasy okay. um uh Chinese world, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not a, it's not like historical. It's more, you know, there's flying yeah. vehicles and stuff and all that. But it's more of a fantasy, and you fight ghosts and you know uh, creatures and stuff and all that, and you learn new martial arts and all that. It's very like action orientated. Yeah, you know, it's not the the click sort of game. But I don't want to spoil it because it's got a fantastic twist. Okay, cool. You know, so it starts off as like a revenge. You know, mm. someone kills your master kind of thing in your your school and crap and blah blah blah. But it's got a fantastic twist to it that. Um, I would even encourage people to play it now 
uh, even on like original Xbox. So I think it's backwards compatible on all Xboxes. So you can play cool. on the 360, the One, or the X. It's got such a good story and such a good twist. Okay, cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, God, if a game, you know, manages to sustain interest over so many generations. And by the way, how, how is your Xbox going, Rich, your new Xbox? Uh, fantastic. I've bought a, a lot of games for it, but unfortunately all I've been playing is Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. At what level are you now in Elden Ring? Uh, 70, I believe. Wow. Wow. Oh, by the way, I asked, asked Dion. He has completed everything in the game. He's actually 100%ed it. So there you oh, go. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. No, I asked that little guy. I challenged him the other day, and, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's 100%ed it. He, he's, oh, I'm impressed. And he did it in how many hours? I don't know. I, that I don't know. Because as I said, there's like a hundred bosses in the game, and I mean, if you he's told beat, me that it he's beat every like boss, twenty hours, I I don't know if I believe that. He's beat every boss. He's beat every boss in the game. He told me that himself. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, he has been playing a lot because he was on because he had the baby, so he was you know would have the baby in his lap and be playing kind of thing. Mm. Oh, so. I think this game might actually take me the entire year to 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 finish. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm only on the I'm only in like the third area, so mm. um, I I, I com- fully completed the the first area where you start, mm. um, and then I've completed the fully completed the second area, which is, is that the swamp the swamp area. Yeah, uh, that's where I am. Yeah, the L- L- Lunia where you go take on the the, the magic users in mm. the academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've completed that, and I've now moved on to this other area. Where, by the way, you've got to fucking fight that. Um, you you have to uh, well it's, it's optional but you have to basically uh, uh, you, you have to fight you can fight Godfrey again <laughs> oh, yeah. in one of those uh, in one of those jails you know mm-hmm. the the platform that takes you down but then there was another version of that fucking um, uh, Margit that showed up when I was running through this area he just fucking appeared and I was like what no not you again <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was challenging. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, in- interesting that they're going back and remaking games like that, and I guess we'll probably see a lot more of that as the years go by, Rich, that they'll reboot a lot of, you know, I said, I think they games. should. Like, I, I feel like um, I feel like Xbox has got a very untapped, uh, you know, because you've got, you've got all, you know, a lot of Xbox. Again, I'm not one of those people because I don't, I don't really care about exclusions that much. Like, um, as long as it's a game I want to play, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? Sure. And most of the, the good games are, are multi sort of platform games, mm. you know, like Elden Ring and stuff and all that. So, you know, I, there's always something for me to play. So I'm not big on that. But I think that um, Xbox has got some really good exclusive games from the original Xbox that I, des- that I think, you know, like they are making another Fable game, mm. which is good because um, that yeah. was, I believe that was exclusive on Xbox. I think it um, was, yeah. But they've also got other games like Armed and Dangerous, which was a fantastic game back in the day by LucasArts. Mm. Uh, very wacky, very like, um, like you, you know, you you play it and you feel like, what were they smoking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they made this game, it's just it's so LucasArts back in the day of like Monkey Island and stuff and all that. Like, you know, I just they've got some really good and IP that I just think they should go back and say, you yeah. know, guys, like the original Xbox did well, right? But mm. we didn't really have a success till 360. So why don't we look at some really great games that came out 20 years ago Yeah, or close to 20 years ago, and why don't we, like, revitalize those dead franchises? Do you know what I mean? Let's, totally, yeah. Let's get these uh, these originals, these exclusives that we have, and we've got all these studios now. Let's get them making, you know, as you say, like a new Max Payne. Well, I would prefer a new Max Payne, but, I mean, if you're going to reboot it, you're going to reboot it. But, um, you know, as I said, just you've got the IP. You've just got to, you've got to do it. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think that that, and there's yeah, there's more to life than just another relaunch of Skyrim. You know, <laughs> like mm. I, I, I think um, I've been reading, uh, like I'm reading Seekers in the Mystery, the old JM comic from the '90s, and the amount of like cool game ads that you see that just they bring back memories. You're like, man. Like, I know these games look so dated, but imagine doing them with today's technology, you know, and today's graphics. Because some of the ideas in them and and gameplay was actually really cool. Um, And you could, like what you're saying, go back and revitalise these franchises that have been forgotten, you know, like current generations wouldn't even know about them kind of thing because we barely remember them, you know? And we were around, Rich, because, you know, yeah. So I, I, I do think that... Because you know what I mean, as opposed to like, let's just put out, let's put out like Skyrim on another platform. You know, I'm the biggest Skyrim fan in the world, and that doesn't excite me. You know, that just seems so like oh, almost low hanging fruit. You know, like I don't know, I just get to a point where. Oh, I th- th- that's what I said. Like in my opinion, the only time uh, you should take like a really successful game and and uh, re-release it or something like that is when it's been like 15, 20 years. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like. Yeah, where enough yeah. time has passed, but you could say, you know what? There's an entire generation yes. that hasn't played your game. But you know, uh, if you're saying, "Oh, this game was popular five years ago, it was yeah. a massive success," let's uh, give an HD or you know, we'll do a, a re-release or a collect. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like guys, oh, like I say, do a sequel. Not enough time has passed. Yeah, what? no, a sequel's fine. But I mean, I'm talking about just re-releasing the same game, yeah, just with like, it's oh, we've slightly improved the graphics or. You know the resolution or something. Yeah. I'm kind of like guys. Like this was popular. There's still people buying that now. Like I just, you know, save that energy for like older yeah, games totally that could agree. maybe re- totally reach a new generation who maybe you know haven't played old games or, or wouldn't even think to play an old. Well, game. it's similar to some of the comic book guys when they're looking for stuff. I sometimes think it would behoove some of them just to glance through an old Who's Who and they'd start getting some ideas. You know, and go, oh, wow, this character that everyone's forgotten about. Like, oh, gee, I could do something interesting with that, you know? And you know what I mean? Like, there's not a million miles difference the, between the two things. You know, dusting off some of the old property that, that basically culture has forgotten doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that, that we've moved on because we're so deluged with shows, TVs, you know, um, games, movies. There's so much em- entertainment pumped out quickly that the consciousness does wipe every five years, you know, if not sooner. Really, when it comes to games, because games, it's always like, what's the next bright shiny thing, Rich? Isn't it? I mean, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm a. See, that's the thing. I, I feel like, look. I mean, uh, I can, I'm going against my own argument here, but I mean, oh, like, I, I do play older games still because it's not about the graphics to me. It's about the fun. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you know, Armed and Dangerous, I can still play now just because it makes me laugh because it's just so wacky. Yes, is the gameplay outdated a bit? You know, it's very, like, 20 years ago, but it's still fun. But yeah. as I said, I, I, I'm different, though, right? Because I played games 20 years ago, I can go back and play those. But there sure. would be newer people who, yeah, maybe wouldn't go and play an old game because, you know, they, you know, if, okay, I'll give you an example. Could you imagine giving a kid, like, um, the latest Mario game, right? Mm. With with 
making it look, you know, it's 3D, it's fun, it's colorful, mm-hmm. it's massive and all that. And then you say to them, would you play this or did you want to play the original Mario Brothers? Which <laughs> is just like the pixel thing. Now, the original Mario Brothers was fun and everyone played it back in the day. But I just feel like a lot of them might just go, no, I'll take the new Mario. Of course they were. And I wouldn't blame them either better. because it's the... No, no, know. but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's you know, it's the same. Like a lot of people don't watch older movies or listen to older music. So um, for them, I just think if you want to make your money, just take games from the past that were relatively successful, at least that were well-received or, yes. or were good games, and then maybe remake them and you can reach a new audience. Totally agree, Rich. Uh, now, how about this? A memorial tribute to the late Stan Lee was reportedly removed for the Punisher's second season finale, which is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Apparently, the, it was pretty uh, abusing. It was apparently after a massive killing scene with the Punisher. And then it faded to black. And they did a tribute to Stanley. And there was some speculation that some people might have felt it was in poor taste to do the tribute right after Punisher gunned down like about fifty yeah, people. Okay. But so did they move it or did they remove it? I don't know. The, the they according could have moved to this, it. according to this news item they removed it. But whether they put it somewhere else, I don't know, Richard. Um but they probably, they probably didn't. They probably just removed it because it's just, just the easiest it. thing to do. Yeah. And you know, like also though. I hate to break news to people. It was fictional. You know, he didn't really actually kill people. You know what I mean? Like, the Punisher is a fictional character. It's in a show. He's a vengeance-driven vigilante. Is it really that surprising that he gunned down people? Is it? Is it? Am I stunned? Well, no. I mean, Stanley was there. Um, the editor and chief. <laughs> he ticked off on it. He was a thing. Yeah, he ticked off on it. So, you know, I'm sure. And, and Stanley was the one. He was very dubious of the Punisher's. Uh, success in the mid-80s and he really didn't believe that it was going to break as big as it did and then when it broke so big I don't remember Stan Lee standing in the way <laughs> you know, they, oh. they, they, put, they pushed out a lot of Punisher products in the next 10 years um, <laughs> so, you know so yeah I don't remember Stan Lee being the one oh no we can't publish Punisher um, now how about this Kevin Padian Professor of Integrative Biology and Curator at the University of California's Museum of Paleontology theorizes that the T-Rex's arms evolved to be short so as to reduce the chances of accidental dismembership during feeding frenzies, Richard. So this is an explanation for why he's got those little arms, you know, those little cute little arms he's got, those tiny ones. Interesting theory. Theory or fact. Mm -hmm. Fact or theory. Uh, Theory. Well, you can't prove it. So, I mean, it's a theory. Oh, I get. Yeah, I guess you can prove the dinosaur had small arms, but you, yeah, you can't prove. Yeah, but I mean, his his theory as to why it has small arms. But what's he saying? Like, what they had big arms and they were just swinging them around and losing their arms in like the feeding frenzy, and then they evolved to be small. Like, hell, this would take a lot. I guess they had a long time though, because dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years. So I guess they did have a long time. If you think about humans, we've been around for a blink of an eye compared to dinosaurs, you know. Um, so I guess over hundreds of millions of years, the the evolution would have happened, Rich. Don't you think? Is that is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, no. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I, I, yes, probably the T Rex had the smallest arms, but I mean, a lot of the the bipedal dinosaurs didn't exactly have massive arms either um probably I mean, I mean like the velociraptors ones are i mean they're still small i mean mm. the, i mean compared to his rest of his body and his other legs mm. um it is weird know. that a t-rex it's, it's, it's an interesting arms. theory it's mm. certainly an interesting theory like yeah. um 
Could you get this guy on the show, actually? I should reach out. What's his name? Kevin Paddian. I could talk dinosaurs for ages. Like, do battles. You know, Triceratops versus a T-Rex. Take us through. You know, the ins and outs. The arm size could also just be for, for, for balance. They were so small. Like, what are you talking about? They're little tiny little arms. They wouldn't balance no, anything. No, I mean, no. If the arms were bigger, it would throw the balance off being on yeah, your two legs, maybe. Good point. Is good my point. point. What I'm saying is that maybe the, the arms are kind of there to balance the weight. You know, maybe that's maybe the tail was a bit heavier as well. Like, yeah. I don't, and I'm just, again, throwing out theories, but mm. it's interesting theory. I mean, but but here's the thing. Like, you could say, oh, this is what they evol- uh, the, the evolution process. Okay, but then... Do you know what the start of the evolution looked like? Do you no. do we have no like we, a long can arm? Can you show guy. me the bones or the way of of the T Rex before it had the short arms, so we can prove that it wasn't that it evolved that way? Well, like, they, they, they all like came a, from the swamp. We all, you know, dinosaurs all came from the first amphibians. You know, I believe from what I remember of, hmm. of my science. I mean, like, it's, it's like, like why swamp, why does an ostrich have wings when it can't fly? Don't know. You know, chickens as well. Like, well, I chickens mean, can, can slightly bit, fly. I mean, chickens can slightly. Yeah, fly. but I mean, but but I mean, my point is, the wings are pretty useless. I've like, seen. I've I, we had but, chickens in Hobart in Tassie, and they could fly to the top of their hutch if they were attacked or something. They could do it. Yes, but my point is, is that wings on they got wings, but it's not like for flying. Is my point? They're it's too heavy. Like, They're too heavy, man. Yeah, but that's my point. Like, there's a lot of weird. Yeah. evolutionary things in nature that yes. you maybe don't really understand. As I said, an ostrich, its wings are utterly useless. fucking useless. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yep. it has those wings and it cannot do anything with them. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, evolutionary dead end, maybe. You know? Like, they became Again, runners. But, remember, but, but uh, ostriches could also be... Because remember, they've said, like, a lot of the... You know, like, the dinosaurs weren't, like, completely wiped out. Um, the, oh, the birds yeah. are supposed to be, um, yeah, birds are from uh, dinosaurs, crocodiles, from dinosaurs. And if you think about it, like an ostrich is almost a bit like a velociraptor, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? In, 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 uh, like, well, and crocodiles are from dinosaurs too, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, it's it's an interesting theory, but I mean, again, it's a, it's just a theory, sure, a dinosaur theory. We could get this guy on for a lot more questions. It'd be interesting to do like a full on, I wonder where he is in aliens. If I said to him, but as I said, I mean, but that's why I always find it fascinating the, the the theories because I would love to know, like, what do you base it on? Because you sure. you need some evidence before that to prove your you know to to validate your theory. I should reach to, out. I'm going to reach out to this guy. You know, fuck it. I'm going to reach mean, out to this guy. We have imagery or, or or bones on what their arms used to be before they yeah, evolved. but 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 maybe it was the species before a T Rex. So there was a there was there was a species that evolved into a T Rex, and in the T Rex the arms were small, whereas in the previous one the arms were bigger, and maybe they were, you know, they, I don't know, they they were on land as four, they were four legged perhaps, you know what I'm saying? And then the T Rex went on two legs. T Rex, what would you say? A T Rex? Uh, what? You know what I'm saying? Like the before a T Rex, maybe the T Rex was a. Was it was a four-legged dinosaur, but then it found out that it was actually better on two, so the 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 arms were no longer necessary. So they became to those little tiny arms, you know. 
I'm just theorizing as if I know much about the so fucking hang evolution. Hang on, uh, I want to. I want to. But again, I'm not, I'm not a paleontologist or anything like that. I haven't really. I'm pretty much of an expert, so throw me any questions you've got. Oh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> no, because I'm just looking at it. It's called uh, Splitorius terosus. It's supposed to be the, <laughs> what the thing before a T Rex. And they say that the arms were longer, but I mean. Yeah, there we go. Like they were that no, it doesn't look like they're that much longer. Oh, how, okay, come on. Compared to a T-Rex has got those tiny little arms. No, no. I've just looked it up now, <laughs> and all these arms are fucking... If, if, if there's a difference, it's like 10 centimetres, Dave. Like, seriously. Uh, like, 10 centimetres is still 10 centimetres. I'm just saying, like, it's just... It's still actually tiny. The arms are fucking tiny. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you'd have to maybe go right back and back and back, though. Like, you have to back the truck right up. You have to get back into the swamps, Rich. With the first guys crawling I mean, out of the be, I mean, for all we know, it's like maybe the arms just did that because over time they weren't really using the arms. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, and so maybe they just went like they became almost like nubs because they weren't actually being. That's what I'm saying. You know, the creature's so fucking huge; it's just eating and killing everything with his mouth. Like, <laughs> man, full on, isn't it? Um, do you think we'll get to a situation where they do? You know how they want to do the mammoth? Do you think they'll do that with some dinosaurs as well? Like in our lifetime? I mean, probably. I mean, scientists always do stupid so. shit they shouldn't do. I want to see it, dude. I, I want to see it. I want to see Jurassic yeah. Park. Hey, fucking. My favorite my favorite line was from Malcolm in Jurassic Park when he goes, if scientists were so uh, enamored whether they could do something, they didn't ask if they should do something. And yeah, it's like, I like that line because it's like, it's so true. Science just does it because they can. Yeah, well, you got to push the barriers, man. You know? Yeah, but there's, yeah, but again, once you start cloning and you start cloning shit that's like extinct and would completely throw your, you know, uh, ecology out. The, 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 yeah, the ecology completely, you know, because those things, you know, how much fucking food a dinosaur would have to eat? Like, oh, how yeah. many calories? How much, like, meat? It'd fucking decimate, like, yeah, but you a population. Throw out some cows and shit, man. You know, like you, you know. That's my point. You know how many cows you would need no to satiate a bloody T Rex? Like, no idea. Those things you eat on massive other dinosaurs. Six, like, six. You know, six. Oh, probably ten, mate. What a day! No way. No, I bet oh. you that they could eat and then not have to eat for a few days and stuff like that. I guarantee it. Okay, okay, okay. So if you still got to feed the thing, like, fucking, let's say 10 cows every, like, three to four days, <laughs> that's still a lot of cows, man. You can't grow them that fast. Like, seriously. <laughs> Poor cows as well. We've just instantly gone to the cow, you know. Well, that's the largest one. You can't exactly feed them sheep or pigs. Like, you would have to feed them, like, 40 of those things. Oh, that's funny. Well, anyway, uh, look, I am going to reach out to this guy because I think it'd be fascinating to get him on the show to talk some dinosaurs. Now, um, our final news item, uh, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, including Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn and LeVar Burton, will reunite with Patrick Stewart in Picard Season 3 and apparently it was shown in a teaser during Season 2, which is kind of funny. Like, Season 2 is on and they're like, hey, just wait till Season 3, the whole gang's going to be back. And I'm just like, fucking hell, like... They're pumping this Picard out. Apparently, when they shot season two, they started shooting season three straight away. Like, there was almost no break. Uh, yeah. so Patrick Stewart's been very busy, you know, pumping out these shows. Have you watched any of it? I've not watched a single episode of Picard, to be honest. I, I've heard that season two's a lot better. No. As I said, I've, I'm not, I've got no interest in watching, like, feeble Picard. <laughs> <laughs> old, old man Picard. 
Yeah, <laughs> doddery, like, like great grand, like... great granddaddy Picard. No, seriously, he looks so frail in he it. Does, like, he doesn't really. I, it, I, it's, it, it, I, I just it makes me uncomfortable watching you know uh, Patrick Stewart like that old. Like it just you know, especially playing the Picard characters, I just feel like oh man, like I just you know, I, it just it's really like sad to just. You know, no, I'm not saying like he's a doddering old man, but it's just he he does look a bit frail. He does look frail. Um, oh, yeah, I Patrick agree. Yeah. Well, so, he's got to be know, eighty, just, hasn't he? At least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like you know, his eighties, Jesus. Like, anyway, um, but I just find that fascinating that they're like, oh, wait till season three, and we're going to get everyone together. I was like, why didn't you do that in season fucking one? Like, <laughs> why did you wait three seasons before you? gathered the rest of the well, gang of next gen what i said was so funny is that like you know you could have done the picard show because i believe in the first season they basically put him in an android body right but they put him in an android yeah. body that looks exactly like his 80 year old body and yeah. i thought to myself this was a really good thing for you to actually like have patrick stewart pass the torch yeah to another actor to play picard in a younger android body you know what i mean in an android body where now it's a new actor and then you could like maybe really take the two places with him would you, you know, have had him voicing it that would have been interesting. No, because his voice would still be too old. Like, oh, and I'd yeah. love to see that. I'd love to see an actor, a different actor, playing Picard, but voiced by Patrick Stewart. That would be interesting. No, well, I, I prefer an actor who could maybe like get his mannerisms get his, down, yeah, do um, his do his voice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I think Wesley. that could have been more interesting than like he's an old frail man, and they stick him in an old frail android body. I just. I, 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 I'm going to sound horribly old-fashioned, but when I think of Picard, I actually think of Patrick Stewart during the Next Generation TV show in his glory days. That's how I prefer to think of him, as Picard, you know? Uh, I even felt in the movies he started getting too old, you know, by the end. Um, I really liked him in that weekly show. I really thought he was fantastic. He's a great actor, but... I thought he really shone on those episodes of, of Next Generation. That's how I prefer to think of him. I don't prefer to think of Picard as, like, doddery, old, old, frail Patrick Stewart. You know what I mean? I'm sort of like, there's a part of me that, that's really why I haven't watched it, to be honest. Because um, I, I just have a soft, I have a soft spot for Patrick Stewart. I just, I just, I don't need to, I also hear nothing really good about the shows. No one's really saying, the best they're saying about season two is, it's a lot better than season one. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> well, the, but this is what I find so fascinating. It's like um, people are so scared to do something new mm. um, and fresh because I, when I say new and fresh, I'm, I don't mean a completely new show. What I'm saying is that like they've created three Star Trek shows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, four if you if you include the animated one, yeah. and not one of them is breaking new ground, right? Mm. Because uh, Star Trek Discovery is is in the past. Lower decks, you could say. Lower decks. Yeah, uh, I think no, but it. I think I think Lower decks is part of the current um, yeah, timeline. It's like a it's, comedy, though. It's a, I think that's no, 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 no. Sorry, when, no, when, sorry. When I mean breaking new ground, I mean how you had like Star Trek, and then you had Star Trek um, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Yeah, to the next Next Generation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the next. Uh, you next, know, so next the, the, uh, the well, yeah, the, the 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 series that takes place eighty years after um, yeah Star Trek: The Next Generation go further into the future. What is that future going to be like after Next Generation? You know, mm. building upon what's happened and the war. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I just think that that's more interesting. But they've created like four shows, and it's like it's like Disney now with Star Wars, right? Mm. It's like everything is centered around the the original trilogy now. Um, 
and and you know because they fucked up the sequels. Mm. So now everything they're producing now is centered around, and I feel like Star Trek's doing the same. Picard, Discovery, even the new show now that I'm going to check out. Um, new front, uh, what's it called? Uh, new Frontier or something. Strange like that. New Worlds. Um, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. And and so it's all in the past. It's all in the. And that's Pike in on the, the Enterprise, in, in the isn't it? That's Pike on the yeah, Enterprise. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, like Discovery it, uh, takes place even before Pike. So my point mm. is they're going so into the past Yeah. when Star Trek is always about looking to the future. Yeah, true. True. Well, yeah, good point. Um, I don't know. They've left me a bit cold. This I must admit, I used to be a big, big, big Star Trek guy, and I still love the original series, and I love Next Gen, uh, and I watched my fair share of Voyager, but I have, since the last couple of next-gen movies, uh, I have struggled outside of the first J.J. movie, which I quite enjoyed. I, just... Well, it's the same. I, I, I'm a fan of, like, uh, uh, Scott Bakula, right? But mm. even I didn't really enjoy... Um, Enterprise. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Because, again, it's, it's in the past. It's, sure. it's, it's like, I'm, I want the future. I want to know what we're doing, you know, in the future. I want to see... Uh, what the galaxy's like in another hundred years from you know next generation or something like that because you can just go so you can go so crazy man like I just like feel feel in the past I feel like you restrict yourself so much I have heard because nearly every hardcore Star Trek fan I know really dislikes Discovery I have heard apparently that the people making Discovery just don't care at all they're not going for the old fans at all they're going for the teenagers. You know what I mean? They're going for sort of like the next, next, next generation, like the current young kids is who they're trying to target. Yeah, but they're still they're still using Spock and yeah. you know and, and 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 all established characters. So they might say they don't care, but if you didn't care, then you would create a brand new show in sure. the future with no ties to like the yeah, the older established characters. You can yeah. say that, but your actions prove otherwise. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point, Richard. Um, look, you've got shopping with the gang. I put in something that I thought you would find interesting, Rich. Captain Britain Omnibus hardcover. Mm. Now, I did a bit of research while we were talking. So this one, it's a bit confusing because there's two Captain Britain Omnibuses. Uh, one of yeah. them, the, the one coming out next week is, I believe, the original Captain Britain by Chris Claremont, Gary, uh, Frederich, uh, and other people like from the late 70s. And yeah, then I've there's got, a, I've got a I've got a big um I got a big version of that on my bookshelf. Uh, is it a uh, that Captain one. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the original one in the red costume with the lion emblem, and he's got the staff um and the and the sword oh, and stuff and all that. Okay. Uh, and then the Captain Britain that he became later. That's the um um uh, the Davies. Yes, um, so so I'm just trying to work this out. So they've Alan got Dave. Captain Britain Omnibus by Chris Claremont. It seems to be the 70s. Then there's another one that's out now by Jamie Deliano and Alan Davis. Is that who you're talking about? And Alan Moore and yeah. all these people, um, which yeah. seems to be more in the 80s. So Correct. Yeah, so that one came out late last year, which is the Alan Davies and Alan Moore one. That's the most popular one, isn't it? Um, and then the uh, yeah know. yeah I mean that that basically um, that that reinvitalized the character and made him more at the time more popular than he had been yeah okay and, and the that's one... why they kind of had to they had to reinvent the character a little bit you know what I mean they had to kind of in a sense reboot but still they still tied it to the original Captain Britain because it's the same character mm. and they they wrote an interesting reason as to why he looked different and uh, power sets and all that were different but. Uh, 
uh, it's more popular because again, that's it's uh, Alan Davies, it's um, Alan Moore, uh, Alan Moore, and all that. You know, these are the guys that were like uh, setting the comic book world on fire. Sure, when they were all writing and doing all that stuff. I've got both. Uh, I'm, hmm. I'm a fan of both of them, but uh, what a shame what they've done to Captain Britain. What have they done to Captain Britain? Well, he doesn't exist anymore. I think they made it uh, Betsy Braddock. Right, because I remember he was in a bit of uh, Uncanny X Force. They did a storyline with him. Um, uh, he was actually the leader of uh, Excalibur, right? Which was an X Men yeah. book as well. Which was yeah. Nightcrawler, Captain Britain, Kitty Pride, uh, wasn't it? Kitty Pride and L- Lockheed. Uh, Lockheed wasn't Lockheed yeah, uh, and Rachel. Rachel Summers, right? What what period is that? Is that eighties? Uh, 90s, I think. Okay. Yeah, 90s, 90s. Were you into that back in the 90s? Were you a... Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got those in floppies. Right, okay. Yeah, I think Ray is a big fan of that stuff as well. Um, I never got into any of that stuff. I just know it exists. Um, that's when they started, you know, that just shows you how big the X-Book, X-Men franchise was at that point, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, and I believe the Excalibur was done by uh, Alan Davies, Davis, when I yeah. don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, I it was very popular. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people who really like that. And now also... Oh, he's one of, he's one of my favourite artists, like, um, you know, in, in my top five. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He he's very good. I, I totally agree. Now, I've got some big news coming out this week, Rich. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond Episode 1, or Issue 0, sorry, comes out next week. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. Do you know that DC... Mm-hmm are doing I'll, I'll read out the thing from King's Comics that, that I got sent out today because it'll 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 read better than anything I can do with it. So this is Flashpoint Beyond Zero which comes out next week. One of the biggest and most popular DC events ever is back and absolutely no one is safe. The new seven part Fortnite series will be written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Zemenkio. Although Eduardo Risso will be penciling this here zero issue. Uh, blah blah blah. So basically um, the Flashpoint Batman finds himself back in Gotham City and Thomas Wayne has woken up in a world uh, he thought was gone forever. Forced to wear the cape and cow once more, the Flashpoint Batman hits the streets of Gotham City looking for answers as to how this world still exists. But what starts out for the search search for the truth quickly becomes a global hunt for someone known as the Clockwork Killer and this bad guy may hold all the answers to the mystery. Uh, yada yada yada. So yeah, I mean Jeff Johns is back, and they're they're, they're rebooting the Flashpoint universe. Rich, um, interesting. Is this Black Label or? I don't know. I don't think so. I think this is a DC trying to get something going. I don't know. It's it's a mini series. It's coming out yeah. fortnightly. Um, Jeff Johns is writing it's just, an, it's just another version of Batman. Yeah, but like your boy Jeff Johns is uh, on writing duties. Rich, I thought he'd retired from DC and was doing all his image stuff. No, he didn't retire. It's just I don't think anyone's returning his calls at the moment. Right, okay. <laughs> at the time. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I, I thought it was interesting enough, interesting enough to bring up on the show, man. Uh, we will do Flashpoint Zero. Uh, it won't be next week because we're having a week off, but by the time we come back, Rich, you can have read Flashpoint Zero and you'll be able to give your considered opinion. You know, do you think Jeff Johns has got what it takes still with DC? Oh, probably. He's probably still one of the best writers they've got. Yeah, I was actually setting up for what I think is one of the easiest answers of all time. I tell you what, Adam the Computer has turned on Tom King. He was pissed off, uh, I think it was last night. What, uh, only now? Oh, well, he's 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 long-suffering, Adam, and, and he's a bit more even-handed than we are, but no, he was not happy. The Adam Strange debacle, the Supergirl finale... 
And the killing, it was the killing of Guy Gardner that set him across the edge, actually. And uh, it with the ice. And, yeah, no, he was not happy at all with Tom King. So it feels like Tom King's support base is starting to crumble, even amongst the, the most moderate. Well, uh, Adam, Adam may have actually been the last... The, the last remaining yeah. supporter, honestly, I don't, I don't know who's buying Tom King, and I don't know why you hate yourself so much. But <laughs> maybe it's people who, ironically, have massive PTSD, and they're just like they're just that traumatized that they're still like. Oh, ma- maybe they're just okay. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm just directing this at Adam. I'm talking about the the fans that he does have. <laughs> yes, maybe they've just never read a comic book before. <laughs> well, you know what it is. I, I, I see bits of stuff with Tom King that I've quite enjoyed. But as time has gone on, kind of his style for me just doesn't land 100%. But anyway, the market is ultimately the determinant of whether people stay in books. And the fact he got removed from Batman, apparently Frank Miller at a panel got up to Tom King and flat out just eviscerated him about his handling of Batman. Apparently Frank Miller went... As only Frank Miller can go off script, you know what I mean, and he just took the script. I think I know the one you're talking about. I think yeah. it's when they were on a panel with a bunch of guys, yeah, uh, a bunch of other writers, and then um, uh, Frank Miller said something about him, like clearly he doesn't know how to write Batman or something like that. Like Frank Miller's right, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Frank well, Miller was fucking yeah. right. Look, I think this. Look, th- here's the thing. Okay, and, and sometimes you got to like play to your strengths and all that. Some people can play in a sandbox, sure. and other people can't. Okay, and I think you need to know who you are because it's the same as like um um fuck what's that uh, guy's name that that uh, helped ruin Star Wars um Chuck Wendig no 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 I'm talking about the director um uh Ryan Johnson director that's it Ruin Johnson um uh (laughs) so he he's not a bad he's not he's he's not a terrible writer or a director right like uh knives out knives out out, you know what I mean. He's he's capable, but he's I think he's only capable when there's no restrictions, when it's free IP or you know your own creation. Sure. And, and you know you you there's nothing wrong with that, but there's some people that like like him. No matter how good you are, you you're just not capable of playing with other people's toys without breaking them. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. it's just you don't understand why those toys are popular. Do you know what I mean? You don't understand why people love those toys. You just see them as toys and that you can break them, that you can play with them the way you want. And that's why, you get, again, your best writers, the guys who have written the best stories throughout the years are the guys who can play in the sandbox where you put them. Yeah. And they can play in it and still tell great stories. They're the guys that last. They're the guys that last. It. They're the guys that last in the big two for longevity. Yeah, but, you know? but, but here's the funny thing. There were more writers like that in comics back in the day than there is now. There's oh, so sure. many writers today that just all they know how to do, they all the Tom Kings. They all like Tom King. They just want to break the toys. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Well, he's lost Adam, and I think he's lost his base. You know? He's, 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 oh, look, I mean, seriously, Tom King, thank God he's off Batman. <laughs>
right, Rich, it's Weekly Comics. Now, we did a bit of flashback. Now, this was uh, because I, I so enjoyed Chuck Dixon's Bad Time series um, and his most recent one, which involved Vikings versus Mongols, Rich, um, basically, uh, is just one segment of the storyline. And it reminded me that back in the glory days of Birds of Prey with Chuck Dixon, he did a three-parter um, where basically uh, Black Canary goes back in time to... Uh, I don't know what exact time period is like around the 11th century in uh, Vinland, which was America, which the Vikings got to, and it has the Vikings fighting the Indians and all sorts of stuff, and she's she's going after the Ravens. Um, really fun three-parter. Butch Geist, who's one of my favourite artists, actually, Rich, um, is, is the artist there. For me, this is a very entertaining romp. Uh, a three-parter, which I always really enjoyed in a very strong run of Birds of Prey by Chuck Dixon. What did you think of this one, Rich? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun reading the old uh, Birds of Prey stuff and all that, you know, sure. back when comics were good. <laughs> well, I mean, God, um, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I Seriously, I miss Barbara Gordon as Oracle. Yeah. Um, it was such a good character. Um, it's, it's, it was just so yeah. interesting. I think she might be Oracle again now, I think. I don't, I, listen, I don't know. I'm not reading no. uh, current stuff and all that. Um, but Chuck knew uh, exactly no, uh, the relationship of Barbara Gordon and Black Canary. I mean, he just had it down pat, you know? Did they explain how they figured out that it was um, Black Canary on the carving? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, it did look a bit like it, but the way they're just like, that's definitely Black Canary. Yeah, I mean, Canary. If, you knew, yeah, if you knew who Black <laughs> Canary was, sure. But, I mean, this is like an ancient carving. And I'm like, I'm looking at it going, how did you know that that was Black Canary and that you went, that you went and that you had to send it to the past? I was like, I didn't. It's a bit of a leap. But, um, no, it was good. Um, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, concept uh, mm. going back to get uh, Cheshire, although... I can't remember how Cheshire managed to wind up in the past. Uh, it's in a previous one. So in a, pre- oh, okay. in, in a previous storyline of Birds of Prey, uh, of, of Chuck's run, a very early one, all three of them, Cheshire, Bunny and the other one, they all are sent back in the past um, to do with this satellite thing. And so they're, they're, set, they're sent back there and their storyline is kind of left unresolved. It was, it was very interesting uh, uh, hearing uh, uh, Dinah talk about Ollie because yes. obviously at this point he's, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, he'd be, he'd, um, and he'd be dead for a while too. He'd be dead for yeah. a, a, a um, period. Yeah, again, a, a, a fun, interesting read, fantastic art. Um, Love Butch guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, just, um, it, it was just, there's not much you can say about it just because it's just solid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's, it's like, it's yeah, it's just so solid. I it's well it. written that you just you, all you can just say is yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's a really good three parter. I think it's a huge um, advertisement for story. Chuck's Birds of Prey run and his Nightwing. All of that was that he, he I mean, he just never went below seven point five, and and sometimes he was getting to nines. And for me, this this three parter is a, a solid eight and a half. I love this storyline, and I think the art as well. <laughs> Butch guys, I I think it underrated, frankly. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, to be fair, there's a that's the that's the unfortunate thing about uh, an artist. Unfortunately, is that you know they do. Uh, and again, I mean, Chuck is a fantastic writer, but uh, you know, artists always tend to be, I think, overshadowed. Yeah. Um, a, a little bit by the the, the writers. Um, no way. Which is sad because obviously it's a visual medium. But yeah, no, f- fantastic art, great action in it. Um, 
Uh, I loved it, it when they're fighting. It's, really, it's just really solid, man. It's just it's really solid. I loved it. I think it was Bunny who's the most crazy one of the Ravens, but she's fighting the uh, Indians, and she's like, "Oh shit, too many for me." Even <laughs> <laughs> even she was like, "Oh shit," because <laughs> she just wants to kill everything she sees. She's just a flat out psychotic, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was it, it, it's just really good. Like it's just yeah. like there's nothing I can really play other than just no. very enjoyable. No, it's good stuff. And, and you know what, Rich? I, I strongly recommend, I know you like reading your novels, go check out Chuck's Bad Time Series. Just start out with book one and see if you enjoy it because I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a really good, good read. Um, excellent. Yeah, I will. Excellent I, will I will add it to my, my read list. Cool. Uh, then we had, um, doing for James DeMatteis, uh, I actually wrote down Ben Riley 2 and 3, but I think we'd already done 2 because when I read We two, did because, yes. well, yeah. Uh, when when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, we did, we did, because we did one and two. Yes, yes. Um, um, and I forgot, but then we did issue three. Now, can I say this? I think they're a really fun throwback to that clone era. Um, and a- as I am reading the clone saga at the moment, and I'm I'm, I'm well into it. I'm actually I'm I'm past the death of Aunt May, and um, yeah, it's I think a really neat. Uh, sort of throwback comic that I think a lot of fans of the clone era who probably grew up with that you know era would really enjoy. I think James DeMatteis, um once again sort of brings it. I wasn't the world's biggest fan of the art. I found it a bit cartoony, but I still felt it got the job done. What What did you think of this of of this one? Uh, I enjoy the art. I mean, the the the, the art's n- nowhere near as cartoony as what some of the Spider Man. Mm. Um, books have been there was one uh, who was the guy that was doing it um he starts with an h he's got a very cartoony style um, yes yeah, a bit of Ramos. like it's nowhere near as cartoony as that mm, mm. um but uh you know I, I i enjoyed the art i think the art's pretty good um uh certainly better than a lot of the other stuff but i tell you what if this is the quality of books now i'd mm. still be i'd still be collecting oh me too current yeah. current comics like this is just as i said it's again it's like it wasn't written now. Yeah. No, you know I what I mean? I it feels like it's a flashback. Well, it is. You know, reading, it is a reading this. No, 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 no. But what, what do you mean? It's like it was written, you yes. know, uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. It feels like yeah. it, it's it's so well written that you almost swear that, that this is a flashback from when when, when Jane was writing Spider-Man and, and, totally and all good. that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the quality hasn't slipped. The quality is still there. The writing is solid. Yep. And as I said, if I mean, it just puts the other the current stuff to shame, honestly. Like, mm. and and I, I said this the other week when we read the the Wolverine, the Patches one, and yeah, that was good. Um, and the Venom stuff and all that. Like, my God, if this if that was if this was the quality of the current uh, books now, I would still be an avid um, uh, comic collector. Yeah, if the ma- if like, the main line, because I mean, there's a reason they're going back to. I mean, JM has kept going pretty strongly through the years, but but some of these other guys haven't had as much big two work in the last 10 years, but there's a reason they're going back to David McElhinney and Larry Hummer and JM. There's a reason, you know, because these guys have got what it takes. It sometimes feels like the newer guys. Um, I don't know what the storyline is because, to, like, look, obviously it's hard to do, but JM makes this look pretty damn easy. 
You know what I mean? Yes, like, he makes it look effortless. It's, yeah, I, I feel effortless like this is just him, just like uh, just banging one out, and it's yeah. a banger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's it. I know. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? He just yeah, he makes it look effortless. And like, I'm sure it's, it's not just, effortless. Yeah. I'm sure it takes a hell of a lot of craft that he's built up. Over no, but a he lifetime. makes it look that way. Yeah, like, exactly. It just, it just looks like because I mean, he's writing the just that Justice League one for for DC now, the the one that's based on I think the animated yes Justice um, League show and and. I mean, he's busy, but it's, I mean, he's got to be, you know what I mean? It's not like he's just working on one book or something like that. So, no. but, but again, it's, it's, he, it's effortless and it's, it's, it's well-written. It's fun to read. Uh, Compare this with Bendis's, remember the Bendis's crappy Justice League issues that we read oh. uh, with mm. the fucking fake Justice League. And, and I'll, and I'll be honest, I'll take a shot. Um, not every old creator has got what it takes. I think Dan Jerkins was shown as lacking recently. You know, when he did Blue and Gold. I don't think it was the world's greatest stuff of all time. Um, you know, I... You well... Know, really. Okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I think... I think Jurgens would have... Would, would, would shine a bit more if he wasn't hampered by the current... Yeah. Continuity and current characters and stuff and all that. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you got Dan Jurgens to write the Black and Blue, but set it back in, like, the 80s, 80s or something yeah. like that... I think it'd be a lot more fun because he could have more fun with the characters and who you know the the the, the characters that were but, around. But in I that think time. you should do it then because this is what they did with JM. They're like, Jamie, can you have Ben Riley book and you can set it back in the middle of the Clone Saga? Yeah, why not? Like, why? Yeah, because it, it makes more sense. Like that patch yeah. book was but, set. But, yeah, but you know? but that's my point. I think Dan Jurgens is a good writer, but I think he is he's hampered in what he can really do with the characters in the current. I've got a question like, for sort you. Of timeline. Like you got you've got fucking what's his, what's her name? Uh Naomi. Yeah. Like showing up with it. That's like really who wants to read even who you know, you're reading yeah. black and blue and then this fucking Naomi chick rocks up and the, the yeah. shitty Bendis Justice League rocks up and you're like, yeah. I don't I don't like this, you know. I've got I, mean? a question I, I like for you. I loved it when JM and Giffen did the remember when they, they did the I can't believe it's not the Justice League yes. and um yes. uh, uh, what was the other one? Um it was like I still can't believe it's just legal, something like that. Yeah, yeah, like obviously. again because you know they weren't in continuity; they were like you know a bit of fun. But God, they were fantastic. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to even imagine that this was written today. It just feels so mm. so timeless. I'm giving it a seven and a half. What are you giving it, Rich? That's an, uh, it's an eight for me. Yeah, no it's, fair, it's fair, man. Eight and a half. Yeah, no, it's fair, fair man. I. It's good stuff, dude, and um, and you're the one who's going to be asking me about Ben Riley, by the way, too. So I'm going to, I think you're first cab off the rank. So when we talk to JM, uh, Ben Riley is your is your province. Uh, then we had, I want to get your views on this Shadow War Alpha One, which is the new event from DC. Uh, Joshua Williamson. Um, it ties into whatever's been going on in Deathstroke Inc. Uh, kind of a death scene of Ras Al Ghul. I didn't mind it actually. I'm I, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I I thought it was a decent setup for an event, frankly. Uh, I've read a lot of poor. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that I may already like guess the ending, though. Well, give us your guess. What, what what's your guess? Well, like, my, who... my, my my well, my guess is that Talia did the the, the setup it up. Right. Yeah. To kill the to kill the father. Yeah. To, to yeah to kill uh, uh, Roz. Like hmm. I I'm just I'm calling it now. I just feel like. You know, that wasn't the real Deathstroke. Uh, Russell, she, you, you could see that she was fighting with Russell Gould about his decisions yes. and all that yeah. shit. I, 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 the problem I feel is that I've... I, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I already know 
what the 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 twist or the reveal is going to be. Yeah, well, we'll I mean that would that wouldn't stun me. I mean, Tal Tal and Rasogul have had a complicated relationship over the years, you know. Um, so she's hired. I'm hoping that that's. I'm, I'm hoping that's not supposed to be the. Yeah, the like the reveal or whatever, because if it is, and I've already guessed it after one issue, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you there because that that it would that would be a little bit uh, bittersweet, as they would say, you know. Um, well, yeah. it just also shows like maybe the like if if I'm right, that it just shows that like it's almost like what these writers are doing is obvious. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully not. I mean, look, I I, I definitely think it was the greatest thing I've ever read, but you know, for for an event set up. I, I thought it was pretty decent, although I feel like I've, I've watched a lot of deaths of Ras Ghul over the years. I feel this guy's been dying for the last 50 years, you know, like... Well, I think this is going to be a, a, a status quo change where I think they might actually get rid of race, uh, Ras Ghul and actually make Talia now the, mm. the, the, the head. Got a question. When Talia came in uh, and she said, she pushed them away and said, get me the best doctors, was she not going to go into the Lazarus pit? She was relying no. on the doctors? Mm. Right. Why? Mm. <laughs> do we do we know the answer to that question? Is it because the Lazarus pit drives well, you because insane? The, the, yeah, the Lazarus pit drives you fucking insane if you use it too much and all that. So, sure. You know. So she was like, my, my injuries aren't, you know, Lazarus pit worthy kind of thing. Is that is that your is that your take, Rich? Do you think that story plot line might come back up to bite us? Do you think there's that possibility? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean... Well, hazard a guess. I'm just saying, could could that... You know when they do something like that and then later on it becomes that's the the plot line point? There's a reason she didn't want to go in the Lazarus pit? Ma- yeah, but maybe she just sees that as like a, a weakness of her father's. Yeah, yeah, to be like, too reliant. Um, you know, and and, she, and obviously it drove him insane and, you mm. could, and the book is showing up that he was dying... Because mm. obviously the Lazarus Pit is not immortality; mm. it can it can revive you uh, at times, but I think it's going to take a toll on the on on your body. And I think maybe she just she doesn't want that as a weakness to be reliant mm-hmm. on on the Lazarus Pit. So you know, we'll see. Again, the whole thing could also be a race Al Ghul setting the whole fucking thing up as a a, a, a weird a baited switch power play. But you know, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, um, well, I'm giving it seven. What were you giving it, Rich? Um, yeah, I think I think seven's okay. I mean, the art is good. Mm, okay. Um, it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting premise. I'm just hoping that there's more to it than yes. than what's been revealed so far. I'm hoping that maybe there's a good plot twist or reveal in it. Otherwise might be a bit disappointing. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be continuing next week's Batman as well. Now, we go to Trade of the Week, and this is... Uh, James DiMatteis, in our last interview, actually mentioned this was one of his favourite stories that he'd done, uh, and I'd never read it. Um, Batman going sane, which is literally the storyline of Joker going sane for the in the this story. First off, Joe Staden and James DiMatteis, oh, my God, Richard, I loved this story. Um, I had high, you know, when you've got high expectations and then something hits them, this is exactly what happened. I, I thought it was such an interesting premise. So simple. Basically, in essence, the storyline is that, uh, Joker's going, he's faced Joker a couple of times before. So it's fairly early on in his relationship with Joker. 
Um, and Joker kills like a stack of people early on in the in the actual um, comic. Like it's fairly violent. He, I thought, killed this uh, sort of congresswoman she is or whatever she was, a council member, but he doesn't. And then something happens, and he he basically thinks he's killed Batman. Uh, Batman is just totally annihilated. The, his costume is blown to pieces. Looks like he's dead. Looks like he's drowned. Joker thinks he's killed him. And then without Batman as his nemesis, he actually goes sane. And he he gets stuff to mask his skin condition. He finds love with this sort of, uh, like, lady... Um, who is a lonely soul, and, and they kind of bond. Meantime, Batman's having a very slow recovery um, in this in this little community. Eventually, he gets back to the Batcave. Alfred has thought he was dead. Months have passed. Um, and then eventually, you see the, the mask slip away from Joker when he realises Batman is still back out there, and you realise that Joker's madness is, is tied to Batman um, in a weird way. Uh, yeah, I, it's almost like he needs Batman. It, like, it's done so much more interestingly than all the other times whenever they've said Batman and Joker. I thought this was one of the most interesting stories depicting the Batman-Joker relationship and their interdependency, especially Joker's dependency on Batman. I want to throw it over to you, Rich. What did you think? Because I loved this one. I, I fucking loved this one, man. What did you think? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't. It's. It's. Uh, I don't hate it, but I wouldn't say it's Jesus. my favorite. Okay. Um. Uh. It, I mean, it's got some interesting ideas and all that. Um. I just. I don't know. Um. Okay. Not a fan, obviously. Jesus. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, uh, there's nothing obviously with with James, obviously, because I mean, the writing's fine. I mean, it's it's well written. It's you know, it's it's high quality. It's just that I'm not a massive fan of. Of getting in the Joker's head, do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I um, because I I I don't I like Joker's one of those characters where I love the mystery of not knowing what's in his head. Um, yeah, but this was the same I'm, Joker which we never normally see. Yeah, I know. Look, uh, that's what I've, I'm mixed with this because I mean, it's 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 an interesting concept of like the the Joker thinking that he killed Batman and then what does he do? And he almost just like gives up that life and just becomes like. A regular old citizen with a nine to five job and yeah, all that sort of stuff and all that. I mean, it's certainly an interesting um, concept and it's, it's it's executed very well. Mm. Um, I just I don't know. It just didn't really hit me. I think as as much as it did you. Like I don't yeah. think it resonated with me as as that's much fair, as it man. did you. And that's not that's not a knock on the it's not a knock on the book or no, it's just or, or like the writer or anything. It's just like. I, I guess I don't know. It's it's Joker's like one of those weird characters where um, I'm very particular about the the character and, and how it's handled. Um, See, I I like this because I agree with you. It was interesting to get inside Joker's head, but I guess I've got something. I've got okay. Look, I've, but the I've, problem with this book is you you're in everyone's head. You are like that, I, like you're in Batman's head. You're in um, Alfred's head. You're in. The Joker's head. You're in uh, the girlfriend's head. Like I'm just like I'm. Don't, I don't know if I want to be in everyone's head with the story. Like um, uh, I, I guess maybe if you were going to do it, I would have maybe preferred just seen it from like just the Joker's point of view. Sure. Yeah. Like nothing even maybe uh, like that. You don't even know what the Batman's thinking. 
or like what even happened to him like you think he's dead and then he just shows up and you know mm. but and you spend maybe more time with the joker mm. and a little less time with the the inner world because you know you're so used to the inner fucking monologue of the batman and sure how he thinks and all that sort of stuff i mean i think if you were going to do it i would have maybe preferred that like almost the entire book if you're going to do it was done from the joker's inner thoughts like we didn't know what the girlfriend was thinking we didn't know yeah. what batman was thinking it was all in joker's head and almost every and you see everything through his eyes and you could get like from and, insanity to sanity back to insanity you know? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, as I said, like, I mean, again, it's only like four issues, so it's not like oh. you can do that much with it. And I just, I just thought, like, I, I, if you're going to do it, I just would have preferred like the entire thing was from Joker's point of view, okay. and like, and we just saw everything from his point of view, nothing from Batman's point of view, nothing from like the girlfriend or whatever, just purely Joker. what the how the Joker saw things, sure. whether they're true or not, or like whether that's even a uh, trustworthy representation of what things were you know like um i just i don't know i just i didn't really enjoy the bouncing around between everyone's inner mm. thoughts and feelings and all that sort of stuff you know what i mean i just um i i maybe i just found it was a bit jarring and then again as of course i did find it struggling to read a lot of the cursive the boxes because of the fucking writing style and and maybe that also just rubs me the wrong way because I go oh I've got to struggle to read this now. Yeah, the cursive, like, uh, the old good you know, old cursive. Just, you know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that cursive. No, neither am I. I don't think many people are. I, I really believe a lot of people dislike it. It it makes it tougher to read. It's slower. Okay, I hear your points, and and you know what? Uh, you, in, you in, make a good none pitch. of that is a bad book. It's it's, uh, and I will even put, give it a point five. I'm going to give it a seven point five. Okay, which is the highest. Right, score. I'm even putting yeah. in that point five, but it's just that. Yes, I guess I just wanted a bit more. I will like, say this: uh, like I, one thing I thought uh, about it was, I thought in four issues it was almost perfectly paced. I didn't feel it overstated its welcome. I didn't feel it rushed. I really liked how every issue felt like an act, you know, and I, I felt it was much better paced than a lot of comics are, probably because you only had to come on to do your one story, and so you could perfect it. You weren't having to grind it out month after month after month after month. You knew you had four issues. That's what Denny O'Neill or whoever the editor was gave you. The whole concept of Legends of the Dark Knight was people came on and just did rotating, you know, creators just did their little Batman story, and then they went away. So I felt it was very well-paced comic. Um, I have a question, Rich, and it's a question I'm going to ask J.M. DeMatteis, and I want to get your view. Was the woman that Joker was with ever real? And the reason I ask you that question, if you look at the end of the storyline, when he's fighting Batman and he's got the woman, he's thinking it's his girlfriend, but it's actually the councilwoman again. Yeah, but there's also a, a moment where he thinks that his girlfriend is the councilwoman. Yeah, but but it's and, def- and the fact, yeah, but again, you see, if it was all from the Joker's point of view, I would say, oh, is she, is she not? But you, we got her in a monologue, so yeah. I think that makes her real. I, but I was thinking, was that even Joker and t- doing her in a monologue? That's what I'm saying. I think. Look, I I think she's real because the way I read it was. The moment where he was like going to beat the shit out of her, yeah, he was imagining right. the uh, he he thought he rem- she reminded him of the councilwoman, yeah, and then when he has the councilwoman the second time, then now she reminds him of his girlfriend. So I think she is real. But then why? Um, I mean, why? Her inner monologue helps as well with that. But why then? Thought. 
he's walking along with her in the forest and he's normal and then he's starting to flip and then all of a sudden the Joker's like fucking boat is there. I was like, what? Yeah, but, yeah, but when the but when Batman goes to the apartment and he sees the photo of them, mm. okay, he also goes, oh, maybe this isn't the Joker because that couple look really happy and they look decent and okay. all that. So I, I think she's real. Okay, well, I think I'm, that's the whole point is that the Joker did find love I'm still by gonna, being I'm still gonna ask a Jay normal him. sane person. I'm still going to ask Jay. Yeah, sure, sure. Because I, I, I do think that there was potential. Like that I'm looking here at the end. He's, he's going. Uh, da, 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 da. They never found a body, and she never gave up. How could she? Love like theirs only comes once, a, uh, comes along once in a lifetime, if it comes along at all. And a man like Joseph, there could only be one. She can't help but wonder, as she sits alone with her memories, his presence hanging on the air all around her. If he's indeed out there somewhere, bewildered, lost. And you see it's cutting into his face and then that face becomes the Joker. Consumed by the inner demons he could never articulate or explain. And she prays that somewhere he that he's safe and that at least a part of him at least remembers. I don't know. I just... I just... Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. But I, I just felt that there was a part of it where it was like, was it really real at all for the Joker? Well, or, again, that well, that's my point. If you had written it purely from his point of view, yeah, then that would leave those questions open where you're like, wow, right. what, did was that even real? Did he imagine the whole thing? Like, did did Batman really come back? Mm. You know, like, or did he imagine that the Batman came back because he's losing his sanity again? You mm. know, because he can't not be the Joker for that long, or you know, the that inner shit's going to come up you know, no matter how much you try and suppress it. As I said, I would have loved to have just, like, you know, seen everything from his point of view. So, like, even when he's hiding in the shack and Batman's coming, yeah. I, wanted a, I wanted him to narrate what Batman's doing and, like, his assumptions about the Batman. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I would have loved to have just, like, gotten the whole thing from Joker's point of view mm. where, as I said, it would have left you at the end going, did that all really happen? Yeah. Was that just some psychosis? Was it a dream he had? Was you know what I mean? Like, uh, like did he imagine the whole thing? Because the problem is, is that because of the other narrations, mm. it yeah, it, I don't say. So. I don't know. It, it just didn't leave me with like a question of like what's sane and what's insanity and and what's real and what you know. What did the Joker make up? And I don't know. I. I I just I didn't like bouncing around like all the people's different inner monologues. Honestly, mm. I, that's just my preference, though. Yeah, no, it's fair, man. It's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really sort of I dug it, man. Like in a, in a major way, and I I guess for me, I Snyder really, and I mean really, drug it up and dragged it out about the Batman and Joker's interdependency, and. To me, oh, yeah. you know, but like too much, too, too much. Like this four-parter was enough for me. It was perfect. Like it was like a little after dinner, man. I, I read it and I was like, yes, that's perfect. I love that. And now I can move on with my life. Whereas Snyder was like just a week after week, just drawing it out. It was so boring. And I've well, always I mean, felt, that, that, that's that's the problem with like people like Snyder and Tom King is they think they're on the same level. Yeah, as like Chuck Dixon's and JMD Mateus's and yeah. and no stuff and all that, you know, they honestly think they are as good as them and that they're on their level, and they're really not because they're again, better people have done what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. This this you ground know, has uh, been explored before. Morrison's yeah, Morrison's done it better. Moore's done it better. 
JM's done it better. Like everyone's done it better than you, Snyder yeah. and Tom King. Like I'm sorry. It's true. Like, it's true. It's true. I mean, I'm sorry. Those guys uh, kind of put you to shame, really. And I think, like, I'm just so specifying this. Now, I, I want to say this. This is just my take as a reader of Batman. I've always felt Joker is a lot more dependent on Batman than Batman is on Joker. You know, I've got a Joker. No, I would even argue that Batman is not dependent on Joker at all. Well, I would agree. There's no dependency on Batman with the Joker at all. Batman yeah. wants an end to all these fucking yeah. crazy, yeah, exactly, uh, fuckers. He's he doesn't need. He doesn't want to be out there doing it. Now I, he has and, to because. And of that all of them. said, that said, I really go back to Frank Miller, who used to have the talk show host talking in Dark Knight Returns, and I do believe that a lot of the Batman's rogues are almost like reactions in a weird way to the Batman. So there is a dependency on the, from the rogues, especially Joker, on Batman, but I don't think it's an interdependency. I don't think Batman needs the Joker out there causing havoc to... He, he has his mission before Joker, you know? Joker doesn't define his mission. Uh, I think with the killing of Robin it became even more focused on just how bad Joker was. Um, but I've always felt Joker needs Batman. And that's why I felt this this storyline, I felt tackled it so much better than than Snyder, who just, as I say, he, he decompressed and dragged it out, which made it even worse, if you know what I mean. Well, right? that's the thing. I mean, most of... Mo there are certain Batman villains that uh, need Batman, right? Um, Two-Face, Two yeah. Riddler, Joker... Uh, now, there's others that don't. In fact, they would prefer that Batman fucked off, like sure. Penguin, Poison Ivy. Mr. Freeze. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, uh, Scarface. You know, like, there's, but there's certain ones that they they crave Batman's yeah. validation of Two themselves. Face. You know what and I mean? And Two-Face had um, the connection with him as Harvey Dent as well, you know, so. Well, Two-Face needs Batman because he needs Batman to stop him. Yeah. When, 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 when the coin does, you know what I mean? Like there's that, that good half of Harvey needs Batman because he needs Batman there to stop his bad half. And don't forget Batman actually has a connection to Harvey from before where he, they were yeah. good friends. So, you know, I've and always really felt, needs yeah. Batman because he, he sees him as the only other smart person, the only person that can so solve fucking crazy riddles. riddles and all that, you know what I mean? And he sees him as the challenge. So mm. yeah, there's certain, there's certain villains that, that just need they need Batman. They need his validation. They need him in their lives. And then there's, as I said, there's others that are just like, fuck off, I wish you would die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, again, it makes for an interesting rogues gallery. Like, it would be terrible if every single one of them were dependent on him. Oh, yeah. Um, but it would be uninteresting if none of them were dependent on him. So, again, he's got a, it's a good mix of sure. just crime bosses and criminals and also then just, like, really uh, mentally um, uh, cracked people that, you know... Um, have a weird thing, a connection or fixation with Batman. Do you think they would ever do this in a movie where, where Joker goes sane? Because I think it was a really interesting, interesting kind of angle. I, I, no, I if, if they were still doing the, the, the animated movies, I would say yes, because yeah. they did, um, they did killing jokes. Well, they did hush, um, uh, long Halloween, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they may, they, 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 they might do it uh, in, in animated form. I don't think they'll do it in live action. Animated form, I'd be down for it. I, I thought it was a really, I want to pay some attention to just how well paced I felt it was. I felt it was an exceptionally well paced comic, uh, not a wasted page for me. I, I mean, I'm guess what my score is going to be, Rich? You're going to be stunned by my score. No, I don't think I will. 10 out of uh, 10. 10.5. 10.5. 10. Flat 10. 
10. I love this. I've only given a couple of 10s in my time. I gave one to Dark Knight Returns when we did it, and I've probably given about two others. I loved this. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I also really dug the fucking art because there was so much going on. Um, this guy squeezed a lot into every page. Did you notice that, Rich? Joe Staden squeezed a lot of information into every page. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. The odd, the odd was a bit mixed for me because while I thought he did a fantastic job with the faces, yeah, I thought he did a really good job with the expression. All that. I did sometimes feel like the sometimes the bodies looked a bit weird. Okay. Um, like slightly cartoony. Would, of, would you agree? Slightly cartoony. Not, not cartoony, but there were some panels where like Batman's uh, legs looked a bit weird, and he okay. looked a bit too skinny. Right. Uh, uh, like, uh, but I mean, Arthur I would still give it like an eight out of ten. It's still very consistent, and I thought he did a fantastic. There's a one great panel mm. of just the of joseph's faces mm, yes as he's going through these different like emotions so i thought the artist absolutely nailed the the like the facial expressions and like mm. the looks of horror and anger mm. um those were those are top notch I, I, that that is just that was fantastic i just thought sometimes a bit of the action in the body was a little bit sometimes a bit odd but uh, that's minor it was not like every panel it's only just a couple yeah. of panels but yeah. again as an artist you could be pressed for time or it's as good as you can get it done in that time or something like that. But uh, no, he did it. Uh, he nailed the faces though. He, he brought his a plus game when it came to like the emotional beats of the faces and, mm. and the storytelling. So I tip my hat for that. Yeah, that was good stuff. I mean, yeah, I, for me, it's going to go down as one of my favorites we've done on signal. Uh, and, and I'm amazed that I haven't read it until now, you know, because I, I felt I got a appreciation, uh, for for the Jamie, I checked hasn't done, didn't do a lot of Batman. He did one other arc in Legends of Dark Knight, which was an acclaimed comic, you know, that came out. Um, for those who don't know, Legends of Dark Knight in the nineties was basically a vehicle for rotating creators, very high profile most time, like Grant Morrison, Denny O'Neill, J.M. Chuck, you know, Stephen Grant, you know, every Mike Barron, everyone had a go and told kind of like their Batman story, you know, their little Batman story. Um, and it was kind of at any point in the continuity kind of thing. So any point in Batman's career, it was like a legend kind of thing. So it was a vehicle for a lot of really good storylines. And um, I I mean, I personally really appreciated it. I, I loved it. I'd buy an omnibus of this in a heartbeat. Uh, it was a long running title. It ran, I think it ran all through the 90s, Rich, uh, basically. Um, mm. Yeah, man, that were the days, dude, when fucking Batman, like, you know, it was just must read stuff. 10 out of 10 from me. What did you give it, Rich? 7.5? Mm. Okay. Um, we're going to have JM on uh, this week. Uh, now, I do want to say we're proud members of The Collective. I've uh, got a lot of good shows on there. You've got Into the Night with Ray. You've got Trapped in a World, the Howard the Duck podcast. You've got Inner Demons with Brian Biggie. Inner Demons, great, great show. You've got Ghost Spider Groupies. You've got Last Sons of Crypto with Ray and Connor. You've got a ton of Capes and Lunatics. I mean, I've guessed on Capes and Lunatics. They've had me. They've put up with my antics, Rich. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to have, after our interview with JM, we're going to have a week off. Dave needs to have a rest. Rich gets a week off. Um, and then we'll be coming back. It'll be your choice, Richard. And, and what did you say you're picking? You had something? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Batman Wildcat uh, trade. Oh, sweet. Chuck Dixon. Uh, it's right? kind of like an anthology, so okay. it's a collection of uh, Batman and Wildcat stories, but a lot of them are Chuck Dixon. So I've got it. I own it. Yeah, I, I bought it like um, 
a while ago, actually. It's good. Yeah. All right. Bring it on, Rich. Batman Wildcat. I love it. So that'll be our... Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a Wildcat fan and you're yeah. a Batman fan, so I thought it'd be a good pick. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. I, I love Wildcat. He's cool. I, I remember him from um, Ed Brubaker's Catwoman run when he trains um, Holly. Uh, you know, had a fight and stuff because he trained Black Canary before. Well, he's trained almost everyone. Yeah, he's trained everyone. Like he's every, cool. Almost, almost everyone's gone through uh, uh, Wildcat for some uh, some boxing initial training. I love it. All right, so Batman Wildcat. Um, yeah. Now, look, we're obviously uh, problem is a collective. If you can jo- join us on the Patreon, if you can help out and support the show, it's much appreciated. Patreon dot com slash Signal of Doom. It all goes towards show running costs. Uh, it is much appreciated. Uh, the Bank of Dave can only stand so much stress. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, Rich, thank you so much for coming. We'll catch you in a fortnight. Good night, gang. Good night. <laughs>